This is Dougie for the Mickey Nines. You call that radio? <laughs> Doors, and welcome to episode 14 of You Call That Radio. At some point during the main event, which is an interview with Dougie Smith, aka Dougie O'Neill, who you may know is the frontman from the Mickey Nines. He's also an author these days as well. He's also got a side project called Killer Whale, and it's a good interview. We talk about everything, everything you can imagine. Uh, we recorded it live from Astronomics Studio. We go in studios. So that's the main event. Got that to look forward to. At some point, I might say it's episode 13. But you just got to be sure that this is episode 14, regardless of what I say later on. It's episode 14. Because as you know, episode 13 was gasping physics. And I hope you're enjoying all the, the previous episodes. If this is your first time listening, go back and check them out. If you're enjoying it, please leave us a review or a rate us or share it. And if you really want to support the show, go to patreon.com forward slash you call that radio and you can make a, a monthly donation of a couple of quid or a tenner or 20 if you're feeling flush. Really do appreciate all the Patreons and shout-outs to Murphymish for all the hard work he does mastering the audio and making it sound good. So it's a good wee show we've got coming up. Now, I don't like to go on about politics and that, but it is general elections just been announced, so we're going to go into that a wee bit. And Frank Foody is back. He's on a roll after getting, I think it was a fiver or £3 from Kellogg's after complaining about Rice Krispies. So Frank Foody is going to phone Old El Paso today to see if he can get some vouchers after having a, a terrible experience with jalapenos. So that's coming up later on. But before we do any of all that, let's just get ourselves in the mood, get ourselves right into the right mind state. Life's busy. I've been busy, very busy. So I thought I would speak to a guru about how I can save time and get into the, the right frame of mind to get me right hyped up for this podcast. So I hope you'll join me in listening to what the guru has got to say. Good night in People often say to me, how did I become a guru? I can't exactly just click my fingers and say I'm a guru. I'm a guru. I click my fingers and I'm a guru. You can't stop me. You can't stop me. That's what I do now. I'm a guru. Now, I know you're you're tired. I know you're busy. I know that you don't think you've got time to do the things you're going to do. But 
miracles happen every day. Hashtag miracles happen every day. Hashtag star jump, star jump. Every night at midnight, I come up with a midnight invention where I invent things that make my life better. But I share, I share the, I share the wisdom, I share the wisdom with you. Hashtag share the wisdom. And today I'm going to, I know it's, I know it's winter. I know the next affair drawing in. I know that. But I know you can beat this winter. And I know exactly how to give yourself more free time. So I came up with some midnight inventions while I was doing my star jumps. Because I star jump while I invent. Hashtag star jump, star jump. So people say, how do you find the, how do you find the time to do all this stuff? I used to struggle. But then I found out a few secrets that I'll share with you. You know, you know the old phrase, look after the pennies and the pennies will look after the pounds? Well, it's kind of like that. Except it's look after the seconds and the seconds will look after the minutes. So how do you save valuable seconds in your busy life? Well, there's a lot of ways you can do it. You can do this, you can copyright this if you want, if you want me to get a few million pounds. But here's one, free of charge. My new online course, which is called Seconds Watch. Firstly, I'll teach you how to telepathically answer your phone from a different room. Have you ever been busy doing something and then the phone starts ringing, beeping from a different room? And you have to move into that different room to sort it out, don't you? Well, not anymore. What I do is, step one, pick up phone. Step two, go to phone settings. Step three, click volumes. Now, when I pick up, what I do is I pick a volume that is much lower than my normal volume, but still loud enough to hear. So it has a kind of faraway sound to it. But I keep it right next to my person at all times. Then, when the phone rings, I think, Bastard, I need to go into a different room. I wish I could magic it next to my person. And as if by magic, I look down to see my phone appear next to my person. I shout a little, hallelujah, and get on with my day, knowing full well that the seconds I have saved will eventually look after the minutes. The first time I did it, I thought, yes, indeed this were a miracle. And now, miracles happen every day. Hashtag mundane miracles happen every day. Step two. Well, step two of the second two. Yeah, step two. Look after the seconds and they look after the minutes. Stage two. Did you know a microwave is kind of like a mad wee time machine? Say you need to milk your lasagna, you know, obviously low fat, healthy, microwave lasagna so say you've got to nuke that for seven minutes and you would normally type in seven minutes and that's the end of it what i want you to do next time is nuke it for seven minutes 30 seconds into your dial and after seven minutes remove your lasagna low fat healthy microwave lasagna your lasagna will be cooked and you will still have 30 seconds on the microwave watch so that gives you 30 seconds spare to do with what you like. Oh yes, it's a miracle. Another mundane miracle. Invest that 30 seconds into a hobby that will one day make you millions and thank me later. I don't want your money. 
Just thank me later. Thank me later. Just remember, every midnight, star jump, star jump, hashtag star jump, star jump. Let's make money. Let's get eaten. Let's eat well. Let's eat healthy. Let's eat healthy. Let's think healthy. It's a mundane miracle. It's a midnight invention. You can do this. You've got this. You've got this. Enjoy. Enjoy. You can beat this winter. You're the best. You're the best. You can do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember, it's not an alarm clock, kids. It's an opportunity clock. So today, I am in a studio in Finiston, um, getting some CDs sent out for audiounitygroup.com. So any any listeners out there who want a good deal in CDs, if you get any releases coming up in time for Christmas, give us a shout and we'll, we'll sort you out with a good deal. What's that? It's a door. For sake, I'm not expecting anything. Hello. Hello. Oh. How are you? <laughs> Who's that? Hi, it's it's me. It's um, I've just I just popped by. Oh, are you are you um? Are, do you know this? I'm is just it? wondering. Are you have you thought about who you're voting for in this election? I've not, but do you know what? It's funny that you do you do arrive because we're actually going to do a little bit in the general election and the podcast is already to record you. Uh, yes, of course. Okay, but, 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 but who who are you representing? Uh, this election, I will be representing Liberal Democrats. All right, okay, that's a that's a for a brighter future. Yeah. Vote Liberal Democrats. Yeah, I see that. I see that. T-shirt you're wearing, it says building a brighter future. Exactly, and that's what we're going to do. Imagine right. imagine a place where you have a dark entity, but if you want to cross to another side where there's a brighter place, you need to build a bridge first, and we are going to build the bridge so everybody can cross into a brighter future. Do you think you don't think anyone is actually going to vote Liberal Democrat, do you? I expect everyone will vote Liberal Democrats considering the choices. I mean, how are you getting on? I suppose it is finished and so I can imagine they would quite like Joe Swinson's chat. Are you getting good feedback on the streets of Finiston? Well, you know, she's from Mill Mill Guy, you know. All right, yeah, yeah. I mean, so you think that she's the next Prime Minister? Joe will be a fantastic Prime Minister and we will revel in her time in office. All right, she's a, she's a revelers, love them revelers. Do you, do you think, though, do you not think that people are going to... I mean, this is full of students. They're not... I mean, I think everyone remembers what happened the last time in the coalition. Remember they said that there was going to be no tuition fees and then there was... Do you think, do you think, look, do you think the people of Britain are ready to forgive Lib Dems for lying about the tuition fees thing? Mm, I think that's in the past. What we're talking about here is the future. I think Joe has been quite clear in saying she'd made one or two mistakes, but... Uh, she voted... Uh, 74 times for conservative policies over the last four years, which is actually more times than some of the conservatives voted for conservative policies. That's bedroom tax, universal credit. Are you not worried that maybe she's a Tory in disguise? Mm, I think she was just trying something out and she's realised that, you know, perhaps it wasn't the right idea for her. I mean, like... Last week was Halloween and we all went out and had a great party. And I dressed myself up as Dracula. But I'm not Dracula every day, you know. I tried it out. I wouldn't be a blood-sucking vampire. I wouldn't come round to your bedroom at night. I wouldn't climb in the window and suck your neck. So you're saying that Joe Swinson dresses up as a Tory sometimes just to see what it's like? Yes, of course. She, she obviously tries to see what... It's like sleeping with the enemy, you know. 
Okay. Right, so speaking of the enemy, your enemy, I can see you've got a big poster, well, uh, sorry, a sign with you that says quite clearly, stop Brexit. Do mm, you? Exactly. Put a foot in Brexit. Stop Brexit. Like, right. put the brake on. Right. Pull uh, the handbrake. Right, okay, so now you, do you, you want to stop Brexit, are you sure? Do you think it's a good idea to wind up extreme Brexiteers by just saying it's over and the dream is dead? Brexit's over. Simple as that. Except from Brexit. Exit from a Briggs a a exit. Okay. Uh, so, but she's, she can only do that if she gets a majority. And, I mean, it's not as if the Lib Dems are going to win all the seats, is it? Hmm. I think Lib Dems, because once people realise that it's not about digging up the past, it's about walking into the future, all holding hands uh, in a liberal fashion. And we, we can all do it together. Come on, people. Let's go. Lib Dems. Do you remember Nick Clegg's face mm. when he joined hands with the Tories? Do you remember his face? Nick Clegg's face? Do you remember his face when he was joining hands with the... Remember Nick Clegg's face? Do you remember that? Remember his face? I, I remember Nick Clegg, of course, and... Uh, Do you remember his face, though? His face? Remember Nick Clegg's face? Is he just announced austerity measure after austerity measure? Do you remember his face? Mm, mm. I think Nick, Nick, is, Nick is now... He's not his uh, face. Uh, remember his face as he was just repeating more and more Tory austerity measures mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and admitting that, oh, no, he's not doing anything that he said he was going to do. Do you remember his... Remember that Clegg's face. Hmm. Hmm. He had a he had a, he had a nice smile. Did you know? He just got it opened the doors. No. <laughs> no. No. That's not the face I remember. I mean, you get it. Was, it was convincing. People. People bought his face. <laughs> people. People were not buying his face at all. People were not enjoying that face. I people loved Nick. He was. He was a, a lovely man. I do not. I think if you if you ha- look up the hashtag Nick Clegg's face. Hashtag Nick Clegg's face and you'll see his face, his Tory face. His face changed when he got in power. It changed. And I think that's going to be what people are worried about Joe Swinson. She's she's acting like, you know, oh, like there's, you know, a, a, someone that would drop their, their, you know, pick their wains up from school and, you know, maybe ha- invite you around for a, a, a cup of tea and a chalky bicky. But then when she gets in power, she's going to get that kind of, you know, you used the word Dracula earlier, and she's going to get a Dracula-style face, like a Theresa May face, and just bump everyone. Hmm. Well, I can see your concerns, but just know that that, is, that kind of thinking is in the past, and Joe would never do that. She would never, ever do anything like that, because she doesn't live in the past, she lives in the future. And you are going to build... We're going to build, build a bridge... A, a bridge, a big bridge. We're all, we're going to cross the bridge together, and we'll be there all together in a brighter, greater future. Okay, okay. Well, I need to go now. Can you leave? Would now? you like a sticker? It says, I'm all right, mate. I'm all "Building right. a bridge to a brighter future." Yeah, I'm alright. Yeah, I'm alright. I'm alright, man. Thanks anyway. Keep your stickers for them. Um, you know, Byers Road. You might find some. You may find some people in Byers Road. Well, everyone has them in Byers Road. <laughs> okay, I'm sure they do. All right, well, thank you very much. Thank you very much. What was your name, sorry? My name is Michael. Michael, Michael, I hope, I hope, I hope you do well. I hope you do well. 
Are you are you going are you going east next? Hmm, I'm thinking about East Kilbride. Yeah, okay, okay, cool. Well, it's been lovely. Thank you for being on the show. Um, can you say, this is Michael from the Lib Dems, you call that radio? This is Michael from the Lib Dems, you call that radio. Thank you. Good evening, thank you for calling with the bathroom. My name is Jason. How may I help you today? Alright, how are you doing? I'm Frank. I'm a foodie. Sorry, sir? I'm a foodie. I'm a foodie. I'm Frank. How are you doing? Sorry, what, what, what was your name? My name is Jason. I'm Frank. I'm Frank. Hello, Frank. How can I help you? Alright, well, I just want to say, first of all, I love the old El Paso. It's amazing. Okay, thank you very much for your praise. I, I like I like the fajitas. I don't like the tacos because I think they're just like crisps. And I like crisps, but I like crisps like salt and vinegar crisps. But I don't like crisps. They don't have much taste to it. But okay. but the fajita wraps are amazing. Okay, thank you very much. The first time I'm trying to put Oh no no! I've been trying it for years. I've been trying it for years, oh. but I had a bit. But um, so you know, I'm Fajita loyal, Fajita loyal YT. If you know what I mean, Fajitas all the way. Okay. But but I had, I had a bad experience. Uh, basically, I I used to I used to like a wee smiley, like I used to like drink a lot. You know it just. Scottishness, you know what I mean? We all drink whiskey and bucky and all that. But to get to get off the booze, I thought I'd try something else. So I joined a wee thing uh, called the Spice Club. And it's like a wee thing. Once a month, we all meet and eat spicy food. So is that a complaint? No, uh, yeah, aye, aye. So basically, you know you get old old, old, old Paso jalapenos? Yes. Right, well there's this woman called Marjorie and I really I really fancy her that and she said to me, Next Spice Club, it's at your house. If you can do a good fajita, then I'll be able to take her on a date. And so which which was the problem? Which product was the uh, you know you know you do uh, the jalapenos in a in a jar? Yes, yes, and what was the experience that you had with that? So, well, there was this guy called Jeremy, and um, he comes round to the Spice, the Spice Club meeting, so we, we all meet once a month, and it was my turn to entertain the Spice Club members. So they all came to my house to have a spicy fajita, and, um, they all, and then uh, Jeremy's like, these jalapenos are not even spicy, they're not even spicy. And I was like, no, no, they are spicy jalapenos. He says no, they're no. And then Jeremy drank the jalapenos at the jar. He just drank them at the jar. And he says, see, that's no spicy. And then and then Marjorie just goes off, just goes away with him. And then I, I didn't get a date. She's away, she's away with Jeremy. And it's like 
I liked her, I liked her a lot. It broke my heart. Because I don't know why, because your jalapenos are normally spicy, but these weren't the spicy jalapenos. Okay, Frank, what I'm going to do is I look in your comments, I make it just very simple and short, so that you had a bad experience with the jalapenos. Yeah, the jalapenos, jalap I think it's pronounced jalapeno, jalapeno. And they were spicy. It, they weren't spicy, no spice in the, no okay. spice in the jalapenos. Okay, they were not that spicy, okay? No, they weren't. Uh, Jeremy just drank it out the jar and he went, they're no spicy. Ha, ha, Frank, you call that spicy? They're not even spicy, mate. And then he drank it and then Mar Marjorie's went away with him. And I liked, I loved her, man. And it was just always going to the spiciness to get away from the booze. And I joined the Spice Club and my food wasn't even spicy. Do you know what I mean? So I think you've got something in the factory. So you know, you you obviously normally have a button that says, make these jalapenos spicy, and you've obviously hit the button that says, okay, let's I'm not make these jalapenos spicy. Sorry to interrupt you, I'm going to bring you a written response. So can, can you give me your cellmate? Uh, Fuddy, Fuddy, F-O-O-D-I-E. Okay, and your postcode? G, G for Gaurav? Aye, G for Gaurav being yes. You started by G for Gaurav? Yes, G for golf. We invented golf, did you know that? We invented golf. And I'll, I'll add that after that? And like I said, the, I love Old El Paso. I love Old El Paso with all my heart. And I love, I love the jalapenos. But normally they're spicy. Normally they are spicy. But this time they weren't spicy. And it was embarrassing. Uh, I, I will uh, forward your comments to our colleagues and Um So, Mr. Foodie, you are going to receive a letter from us, yeah? Okay. And then uh, we'll get. Oh. Yeah, it's just because I'm disappointed. I'm just disappointed because it. I, yes. I like spicy food. I, you know what I mean? I will add some vouchers. You know, so you can use them to buy. Oh, that would be brilliant. That would be brilliant. I know that'd be amazing. That'd be amazing because I've had probably about a hundred jars of jalapenos from Old El Paso, and they've always been amazing. And Old El Paso is my favourite. And then this time, there was no, this time the, the jalapenos didn't work. You know what I mean? They tasted like bread, and Jeremy just downed them all in a wanna and said they're no spicy, and then he just walked out and they all laughed at me because they thought that I couldn't handle spicy food, but I can. I love spicy food, do you know what I mean? I love spicy food. I understand. So I, I prepared now the response I'm going to send out to you, Mr. Fudi, and I add six pounds vouchers from our brain to get Thank you very much, Old Paso. I knew you were good guys. I, I knew you were good guys. Thank you. I'll use, the, I'll use those six pounds to take Marjorie out on a date, and that'll be brilliant. Thank you so much for your help today. You're a legend. Cheers. Cheers, Joey. Have a great night. See you later. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. You call that radio? No. You call that radio. You can actually call that radio on a phone number it's a real thing you just phone you call that radio on 
Speaking to. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, hi, who's, who's that? It's William. 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 Hello, William. Thank you for calling. You call that radio, and uh, it was just to see what what, what your thoughts are on um, the general election. Uh, see, to be honest with you, I, I don't really know at the moment. I'm not. I'm not going to vote for that SNP. I, I just don't like that woman. Um, but I'm tossing up with kind of between the Tories and. You kept putting on the Brexit party now. Um, I was toying a wee bit with the UKIP idea, but my favourite politician, Dick Brain, he just resigned not too long ago. So, yeah, yeah, so Dick Brain, he was um, the UKIP chairman for in August and he resigned in October. So he says it's uh, UKIP. Don't slag him off. He, he left a legacy there. I know he was only there a wee while, but Dick left up. He left a legacy there to Dick. Yeah. Yeah, Dick, Dick Brain definitely left a legacy. There's no doubt about that. So, well, I mean, just from your accent, I'm, 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 you're saying the SNP, so are you calling from Scotland? Well, I, I live here. I live here. I'm, I'm originally from uh, Northern Ireland. I'm originally from Northern Ireland, but I, I left there and moved over to Scotland. But I'm not an immigrant or anything like that, because it's Britain. Well, I know I came from a different country, but I'm not an immigrant. Yeah, I mean, would you not say that you know, Brexit's against immigrants, so would you not consider yourself an immigrant at all? Do you not see some sort of comparison between you leaving a country in order to, to um, you know, improve your life? Aye, uh, but I didn't, I didn't cross a border. I got on the boat. Right, OK. And and obviously, you've got a British passport, so are, are, you, are you looking forward to the blue passport? Is that why you're... Is that a blue passport? It'll match my season ticket for Ibrooks. Right, so you're a Rangers fan. So are you Are you actually thinking about voting based on Rangers? Oh, oh definitely. Do you not see, do you not see on Armed Forces Day? We, we, we love Britain. We love the government. We, we just, we're all about the British. We don't want anything to do with any other countries. It's Britain and Britain only. I don't give a shit about Scotland or Northern Ireland. It's only Britain. Okay, so, and you wouldn't vote SNP because you don't like uh, Sturgeon? No, and I've seen one of them, the one from Anki's from Shelton, he's a Celtic fan. And you don't think there's any Celtic fans in the Conservative Party? <laughs> Not a chance, mate. No, no, no chance, mate. We don't, we're British and British and proud, you know what I mean? We don't support Celtic. No, okay, so, so, but, I mean, so, where, so whereabouts in, in Glasgow, did you say, did you say Glasgow, sorry? I, I, I live in Brighton. I live in Brighton. Brighton, I mean, but, I mean, Brighton's um, really struggling with the austerity measures that the Conservatives have brought in. I mean, does that not concern you that it's just going to get worse? It, it could and it couldn't because, you see, I've got a, my uncle, he had a lot of money and he left it to me when he died, so I'm all right. And I know that my family's all right. So as long as I know you're all right, then why should I worry about like, anyone else? Right. Well, that's um, that, that's that. that I mean, I, we, we look after our own. We do. We look after our own. Well, what about what about Rangers fans that that are poor? 
that they don't have any money. Well, us, us Rangers fans stick together. Like we, we, we all stick together, so we don't, we don't. But, but see, we might be poor financially, right? And we might not be able to feed our kids. But you know what? We can still watch the Rangers games, and that's all that matters. Right. Okay. And if, do you, what do you worry about? You know, the NHS getting privatised. Well, if it does get privatised, it, it means that that. Trump will help us there, do you know what I mean? It'll probably be Trump who buys it. Everything he touches turns to gold. So, so you, like, you like Trump even though he's not British? Ah, but his mummy's from Scotland. Do you know what I mean? His, his mum's from Scotland. So yeah. technically, he is British as well. Do you know what I mean? And he, he could probably be a Tory person if you look at him because everything he touches turns to gold. Yeah. And, and I think if he bought the NHS, then we'd all be looked after. So what about, how do you feel about Boris, the fact that he lied to the Queen? I mean, surely you like the Queen and you like Boris. How do you, how do you, how do you... I absolutely love the Queen. The Queen, she's, she's what makes this country great. Like, she she should say, Trump's got to make America great again. Yeah. Trump make America great again. The Queen should have made Britain great again. Okay. And I know, I know you're saying Johnson lied to her, but he didn't. He's kind of bent on the truth. He was trying to protect her, I think. Right, he was trying to save the Queen, basically. Pretty much. Well, that, he says it all the time, doesn't he? He says, God save the Queen, that's our national anthem. Johnson, yeah. he was just being a true Brit. That's what he was doing. He was taking one for the team. He didn't want to put her in a position where she had to make a decision. So he, he was economical with the truth. So, speaking of economics, is the reason that you like the Queen because she brings in tourism? Uh, but you don't, you don't like tourists, though, do you? No, don't like them at all. Don't like them at all. I don't like anybody coming. I don't like anybody coming into this country from another country. Yeah, okay. Well, what, you like the Queen though, and she brings in tourism. That's the reason that we need the Queen because she brings in tourism. So you say that it's good the Queen brings in tourism, but you don't actually like tourists coming into the country. No, she can bring tourists from Scotland. Well, we don't, we, we, we don't like European tourists because you they, ever, they, they you don't ever, spend any money. Do you ever go on holiday? Go to Magaluf all the time. Love it. I've got a house in Spain. <laughs> and then, um, does that not make you feel like you're an immigrant when you're over there? No, because I want a house. That's my house. So I go there and I, I bought a house there, so I've put money into that economy, so I've got a right to live there. So you're an expat, not an immigrant? Oh, I kind of spend my time between here and there. But I don't I don't claim any dough money over there, do I? I just do that here. So <laughs> if I want to go over there and live, then I can. <laughs> Alright, so you're on the dough. Technically, I, I, I'm on the DLA, so you know, I had a bad accident not too long ago. Right, okay, you, you sound quite happy with that. Well, it's, it's given me a few months off the road, you know what I mean? And I got a couple of hundred quid a week for it. Right, so you, you're, you're happy at the life as it stands, and you think more Tories or Brexit. So you've got to choose between one Tories or Brexit. Who are you going for? I'm going to go for the Tories. Yeah. I'm going to go for the Tories, I think. And one of the other reasons why I came to Scotland, and I'll tell you the truth, it's not just for the Rangers, it's because my kids could go to uni, free. I mean, is that not, is that not an SNP policy that's kept that? Aye. Uh, but who's their bosses? Big Boris. Right, so... so obviously they had to run it by him. They had to run it by him. And Boris said, Scottish people can study for free but English people can't. He's just been kind to the poorer ones, aren't he? 
that's all he's doing. Because the Scottish aren't as rich as us, or the English. So Boris is saying, well, do you know what, let's give them a wee bit. So he's a kind man. That's exactly what it is. He, he, he protected the Queen, he's helping all these poor people in Scotland. And everybody moans about him because he lies. Look what he's done, he's lied. He's lied to protect the Queen, and he's been economical with the truth. But I would say they're alternative facts. They're alternative facts, that's what they are. And he's helping all these poor people in Scotland go to uni. Right, OK, well, that's quite a lot to unpack, but thank you very much uh, for your time and for calling in. You called that radio. Have you got any final words to anyone listening in? Although I said I'm a Rangers fan, I'm also a Lazio fan. I support both of them, always have. Fuck's sake, man. Right, okay, that's enough. I've got to go. Bye. What I will say, though, is, you know, if you are Scottish and you live in a scheme, you, you, you can't be voting for Tories. That, that, that boggles my mind. You know, you'd actually be from a working-class background living in, a, in an area that's falling apart due to austerity cuts. And yet you would still vote for Tories. That's mad, isn't it? That is absolutely mad. You know, people that actually think Boris is a cheeky chappy or they'd like to go for a pint with Jacob Rees-Mogg because they think... Because even though they know that Boris lies to everyone, including the Queen, everyone, he's been caught lying to everyone, his bosses, he's his party members, everyone, his wives, his mistresses. So, but even though, even though everyone knows that he lies all the time and he'll just tell lies, you know, the bus thing as well. And despite that, people just think, aye, but even he lied to me, do you know what I mean? Working class boy for a scheme, thinking... He could have a pipe with Boris, and Boris wouldn't lie to him, because he'd just be his pal. And he doesn't want to vote Labour because he thinks Jeremy Corbyn was in the pokes, because some cunt in a pub told him that. It's mad, isn't it? It's mad. Another caller in there. Hello, caller, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi there. Thanks for calling. Thanks for calling that radio. Uh, what's your name and where are you from? Hi, I'm Marjorie Shrapnel from Tunbridge Wells. Well, thank you for phoning, Marjorie. Have, have you got an opinion on the general election? Yes. Yeah, so, what I think the politicians should really be talking about is the matter of space and how much space the UK really has and how much the UK should have. See, I think it's really important now we're in the 21st century, we should start thinking about when we send people up into space, how much space will the UK have? You know, when those brave astronauts and men and even women are going up into space, how much space is going to be ours? because um, no other party is talking about this. Um, well, I believe the Tories are the ones that care about it. They're not talking about it um, on air. Or... They're thinking about it off air, though. They're, yeah. they're aware. 
think they're the ones I trust on this issue because there's they're definitely you know looking after our interests in terms of how much um, how much everything we have you know how that the UK is really ours not not the European Union so I think they'll make sure that our space is our space so yeah, yeah. so there's not going to be so you, you wouldn't you wouldn't be happy to share any space with the EU no 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 I think it's important that we claim as much space now not just the space that's above the UK when you go up but also the English Channel and you know, the other bits that are that are ours yeah, yeah. The British Virgin Isles, the uh, yes. British Columbia, um, probably Australia. That's a quite a big. That's quite a big bit of space. Yes, but it is English, you know, people there, and so it's definitely. Um, so what about Spain? I mean, there's quite a lot of English people in Spain as well. Should they? Should, should that also be UK space? Well, Spain's a tricky one. I, I guess I would say if it was an English person whose house was on the... they owned the land, then it should be their space. Uh, or collectively, everyone in England who could share their space. You're, you know, this is something that politicians, really experts, should, um, should work out, really. You know. so, so I'm just trying to imagine this. Sorry, I'm, I'm not I'm not as clued up on space as I should be. So, if, say for example, you are a, a Tory voting, Brexit voting, English person from Tunbridge Wells, you own a house in, in Spain, and basically all the space from the ground where you have the, the land right up through to the the galaxy, basically. Well, you see, that's not necessarily. We've got to negotiate this. This is the time. I think the Tories are the ones we can trust to make sure that if you have that house in Spain, that space over your house will be your space. And I don't think we can trust Jeremy Corbyn to be have a hard line on this, or even he, you know, it won't be even in his interest. He probably just cares about his cabbages. So yeah. and jam you know, and jam. I hope he likes jam. Yes, well, you know, yeah. <laughs> well, don't we all? But you know, it's, it's not what he's being paid to to do. And um, so you, you think that the, the Tories are the they, they are the party of the people, and they yeah. do have they have your interests at heart. Yes, well, they definitely. You know, they may maybe not everything they do is perfect, but who who is in the party? What? they will do is look after our interests by taking those hard decisions and being you know sometimes you have to be a bit of a bully to make sure that you get what's yours like space like yes. and indeed um, all these types of you know looking after your rights like what have what's yours yeah what, what was i've noticed um, this week uh, that what seems to be happening is is that jacob reese mogg says things and then other people apologise for him. And then people are actually apologising for the apologies for not being apologetic enough. And you get lots and lots of apologies going on. Do you yeah. think that... I, 
I'm sorry, I haven't been following this issue um, up to that extent that you have, Mark. Yeah. I think um, really social media is carried away and really they should probably, it would be all sorted out if they, you know, got together and had a, had a chat about it, you know, over, uh, over, you know, over a whiskey or whatever you like. So you don't, you don't think that any of the, the scandals that, that the Tories have been involved in over the last few years have made affect your vote at all? Well, you know, it doesn't matter what they do in their personal life, just as long as they take a hard stand on the right issues. See, that's the thing about politics. Uh, you don't you know, you don't want the nice guy in it because, you know, there's not nice guys aboard, are they? Like Berlusconi or in France, they're not going to be nice. Angela Merkel, so you've got to have the, the people, you know, who will stick up for you when do you're you fighting about. Do you, think, do you think that they are sticking up for you though, or are they sticking up for their own self-interest? Well, it's, it's all the same, really. What's the, you know, we as, as British people, where, you know, we're all going to share in our, our future of whatever comes. Do you um, think that's the case though, or do you think that maybe it'll just be very, very wealthy people who will, mm. who will, who will share the spoils? Well, you know, I, I, as, you know, I, whoever has the wealth, you know, should, has a lot of say, it's, wealth doesn't come by accident, you've got to create it, haven't you, Mark? So, if you created that wealth, I say. So, wealth creators, so you're saying that if you're a, if you're a rich person, you're a wealth creator and you should be applauded regardless of what you do or, or, or even if you don't pay your taxes at all, you're a billionaire and you don't pay any taxes, as long as you've created wealth, you're a wealth creator and it's fine. Yes, well, you know, the wealth creators, it's... You don't, we, you know, we may not like everything they do, but it's, you've got to think about the odds. You've got to, you know, you can't scare them away. Otherwise, we wouldn't have any wealth because they're the wealth creators. And if, we you know, they left, what would we be? We'd just be a large floating island in the middle of a sea. In space. Yes, and well, that space might not be ours unless we you know, look after it by, you know, taking this, making sure, taking that claim, making sure that the, we let everyone know it's our space. I think Richard Branson's going to buy all the space. Uh, well, you know, he he is British though, so he, he didn't get to the top by being nice. Mm. He didn't no, get no, nice. No. Not nice, but uh, there's other words than nice that are still quite good, such as, you know, powerful and wealthy and dynamic. <laughs> dynamic. And, and um, proactive. Proactive. Determined. Determined, yes, yes. I think that's the real, that's a good, good word, determined. Really? You deliver the best outcomes for each. That's what politicians, but, you know, wealth creators, are like and it's not always it's nice but there's other words other words that we should be thinking about such as ambitious ambitious yes 
and um, whiteness did you say ruthless ruthless yes yes in the setting yes so when when push comes to show ruthless uh, has to be yeah has to be said making those tough 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 decisions tough calls tough um attitude negotiators negotiate well well you know you don't want to negotiate you want to Go in and tell people what what we need. Not negotiate with the EU. You need to you need to have you know you need to be forthright. So do you think it's just because of no deal, no deal, Brexit, get it done, just no deal, just get it, get it done. Uh, yes, and then and then you know we've got the rest of the world to to want to, to negotiate to talk talk with. Yes, not negotiate to plunder. Oh. To it's nicer words than thunder. Interesting. Oh, um, <laughs> you know, yeah. Oh, uh, it's it's not the fifteenth century. It's um. It's a I mean, I think we're more to um, just get getting getting what what we're worth and what what's ours. Just you know. Claiming the wealth before someone else does. Well, the America may claim Britain. They've got a lot of good politicians out there who are well ruthless. Not not as good, but um, you know, we need to we need someone like that just you, to protect you, us. Uh, really, that's sad. That's a sad. You know, that's how it is. So, how would you feel if a proactive American came in and bought the NHS and took it from? Britain. Well, well, that's, I mean, obviously you can't have an American owning the NHS, that would be, you know, there's a reason why the royals couldn't get married to an, um, 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 well, you know, back in the day, there were laws about this and I think the, the Tories would um, make sure that British things aren't owned by Americans. Um, so you would sure you, you'd think the NHS be, should stay free at the point of service or do you think as long as it's a British person that, that buys it over say like Richard Branson who didn't get to the top by being nice, would you be happy for him to to own the NHS? I mean though, I mean no one's going to own the NHS, their NHS has always been the NHS, I'm sure it's, it's you know, scaremongering that anyone's going to buy any NHS, it's uh, that's uh, you know, if, if they want to, you know, take over some services, well, and do a better job, then possibly I would be inclined towards that and maybe I would pay a fee to get some better services and you know but it'll still be the NHS so I don't really know why people are talking about it so much that they um, make it a big issue when really there are a lot of other issues on the table I mean the yeah. NHS is just, just it's a going thing. to be there it's always going to be there and it's just a thing and the BBC was, this, BBC was saying this week that we should stop talking about the NHS because it's been politicised yes and yes, exactly. And on my base question, that's not someone that's politicised. The NHS is, it's always be there. 
it's going to be there and um, however what form it is in with the extra in and out maybe just pay a come into a phone app then it's just into a phone app and just pay a monthly subscription to get access to the the phone app services well yes i uh, have got an app actually recently mark so i'm i'm looking into moving into getting more apps i i had an app called um instagram and uh so i think apps are maybe the way forward in many ways obviously you know we'll get the doctors and nurses and we'll get the experts to sort that out really sure and have you got any final uh, final words for the listeners um I think we've got a bit lost on my original point which was about space and really I, I live in Tunbridge Wells I as a, you know I quite in the without you know slightly in the suburbs and there's a I can see the space and I I think lots of the time people are living in cities and never you know looking up and thinking soon that might be taken over by you know the french and the germans and you know the americans so victory and get a tunbridge wells space force quite possibly i do i there is a lot of people there's people out outside the job i hear so captain marjorie shrapnel of the tunbridge wells space force <laughs> well Well, well. Tell me, I haven't thought about it. Well, you know, put my, put my, put my, uh, put my, you know, I'll, I'll quote you on that because uh, that's uh, if you recommend me, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say no. Wouldn't say right. no. Well, well, if, if, if anyone's listening out there, we've got your next captain of the Tunbridge Wells Space Force. Thank you very much for calling in. I appreciate your call. Could we design the um outfit? Yes. Yes. Okay. Good luck getting your outfit. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. Bye. You call that radio. You call that radio. Please struggling to to articulate and, and describe a hip hop artist from Glasgow. And, and it just hit me, it just hit me like a boat from the blue. Scotland's answer to Eminem. It was brilliant. And they nailed it. Scotland's answer to Eminem. Okay. I think it's about time for the Mickey Nines interview with Dougie. I guess enough about politics for now. Well, let me say one more bit. Because the rest of all the other shows before the election will have nothing to do with politics, really. Not really. So, just let me say one more, one more wee bit. One more wee bit. It seems like nothing ever changes and you're always voting for the lesser evil. But two things have changed my mind this time round. One is that by people power, change can happen. Because I don't know if you've seen an advert about a year ago for Sonic the Hedgehog. A really daft wee facey hood. 
And the people went mental and they said, nah, we're not having this. We're not having it. And because of people power, yesterday I seen the new trailer and they've changed his face to a normal Sonic the Hedgehog face. I mean, it doesn't really affect me because I'm not going to watch it anyway. But if they are listening, start calling him Dr. Robotnik again, not Dr. Eggman, and get Jim Carrey to wear a fat suit. It just looks like Jim Carrey, doesn't it? But anyway, the proof is, is that people power can bring change. Also, this time round, the lesser evil seems considerably lesser evil. The Tories don't give a fuck about you. Everything from the cruelty of Atos, betting against the British Pound, the Windrush deportations, the divide and conquer tactics in the media, the disrespect of Grenfell, the PR spins. They're not even really PR spinning much anymore. They're just out and out lying and then just changing the lie. The expenses scandal, the constant corruption, the selling off of the NHS, the austerity cuts to local services, the, you know, the injustice of why rich people never seem to go to jail, ever. The drug war, this, the, the hypocrisies and that could go on all day about that as well. And that's why I think Scotland's just like, Scotland's going to say bye. I think Corbyn isn't popular enough up here, but it's not really Corbyn that people have a problem with. It's more the, the, the Scottish Labour guys that aren't great. You know, also, I think he's... He said a few things up in Scotland. He's, he, he's, he's not... He doesn't really play the Scotland card very well. And I think, I mean, it's hard for him to tell because you never know that maybe secretly that he would be up for an independence thing. But obviously if he said that right now, he'd get destroyed in the media. Or maybe he just thinks that Britain should be better together in some sort of Corbyn socialist utopia. So, but even even if, right, even if he's against independence and he's against the EU, it doesn't mean that he's a bad person because he disagrees with you on those ideas. You know, I mean, he's been on the right side of history many times. His voting record is good. I mean, it's pretty fucking exceptional compared to the rest of the, the clowns in Westminster. But Westminster is a shambles, and that's why I think Scotland will vote to wipe out Labour and the Tories. So uh, England, you need to vote for Corbyn. Ireland need to stay away from DUP. Everybody just needs to ignore the Lib Dems bullshit. You know what I mean? The Greens probably isn't going to work this time around. Brexit party is like an actual pyramid scheme. Farage has actually just admitted this week that he's bumped £300,000 off his own people. He's basically charging everyone 100 quid ahead to apply to become an MP. And then he's just said, oh, we don't actually need any MPs really because we're doing a, a deal with the Tories. I mean, it's weird that he bump his own people as if he didn't have enough money already while the shady deals he's doing. And imagine thinking that Farage seems like an honest bloke. And Brexit Party is just the, the illusion of choice. It's still Tory, but it's just more flags. Because Tories can't wave as many flags because they're appealing to different demographics. 
you know, you're, and, and, and I've still not really heard a good, good reason apart from, you know, blue passports. Is that really because all the studies say that it's going to be a crisis if it goes through the way it's going to go through? But anyway, I'm not going to get into all of that. I'm not going to. I think that we're spe- we've wasted too much time talking about Brexit. This is mere kind of fuck the Tories type thing. Get the Tories out. Stop austerity. Try and stop austerity. You know what I mean? At least talk about maybe stopping austerity and then worry about Brexit. Whatever. You know what I mean? But the fact that, you know, I mean, people, you're not going to be able to afford the blue passport because they're getting made in France. And you won't be going on holiday anyway unless you're already rich. You're not going to be able to eat your blue passport. And imagine thinking that Nigel and Boris are anti-establishment. But he says it like it is. But the thing is, he, he, he doesn't, they didn't ever. They get caught lying constantly. And no matter what facts are are thrown at people who like them, they just it's just they just scream fake news. And this is the worst campaign in history because they don't even need to try. They've got the media in their pocket. They're odds-on favourites because Daily Mail says Corbyn's in the IRA because he likes to make his own jam and likes gardening or, or something like that. And you've got a nice wee bit of racism flung in and flag-waving because poor people are angry and the media have told them then it's the immigrants' fault. Some of these guys had to flee the bombs that our glorious arms trade created. So don't believe the hype. There's going to be many dirty tricks and all sorts of fake news flying around from all sides. So if you are going to be sharing stuff, you know, make sure that it is legit. It would be my advice on that one because if someone's on the fence and they see someone sharing something that's not actually factually correct but I know everyone is in their own algorithm bubble anyway so you're probably just sharing it to people that already agree with you but it doesn't mean you shouldn't try I suppose but um, but I I mean dirty tricks I mean Boris couldn't even lay a wreath properly so the BBC used footage of him properly putting a wreath down three years ago. And they did it by accident. You know what I mean? Oh, I just tripped over and fell over and some old footage from the vault dropped in in its place. Basically, do what you want, but please remember, no matter what happens, please remember three things. Fuck the Tories. Fuck the Tories. And fuck the Tories. Lib Dems are Tories too, by the way. Remember Nick Clegg's face? Remember Nick Clegg's face? And now, have a look at Joe Swinson's face. Nick Clegg's face is Joe Swinson's face. And now, remember Sonic the Hedgehog's face. His face was an absolute nightmare. But they changed it due to people power. So change does happen. Although the cynic in me says that could have also been a publicity stunt.
Maybe it's all a publicity stunt. Maybe none of this matters. But from the bottom of my heart, please, please, fuck the Tories. Fuck the Tories, the Tory party. Fuck the Tories, the Tory party. In the city, Marco Wayden. That radio, you call that radio. And that's enough politics, I think. I think it's going to be fine. It'll all be fine. Don't to worry about. So, coming up next is probably the reason that you just tuned in in the first place. It's an extended interview with. One of the greatest frontmen in the country, Dougie Smith of the Mickey Nines. Uh, Mickey Nines have got a couple of albums out already you can check out online. And one of the best live bands on the planet. Just go and see them if you can. Genuinely love love watching them live. And that's coming up just now. Just a, a shout out to Morphemish. This podcast is mastered by Morphemish, who puts a lot of work in. So shout to him. And the reason there's no adverts and the reason that I can do this is because it's powered by Patreons. So if you do enjoy the show, you can you well if you you can just subscribe or leave us a review, a rating, tell a friend about us, share it on your social media. All that stuff really helps us spread the word. And if you really want to support us, then you can go to patreon.com forward slash you call that radio. And you can support this for £2.40 a month, or more, if you're feeling flush and you, you're, in, you're really enjoying it. So, yeah, we'll give you some bonus material, some discounts, and we also enter you into Big Mad Raffles. So that well, the next Big Mad Raffle we're doing has a mini Corgson worth £200, kindly donated by the Wise Goldfish, with a free lunch voucher at the High Street Sandwich Company, £20 voucher at New Hellfire Club record shop. The chance to become a character in an actual novel called Bangkok Drowning. A bottle of Prosecco. Vinyl from the Moods. CDs from Menachi Tribe. And a goodie bag donated by A1M Records. Also, I can do a personalised poem for you. As That's one of the raffles as well. And if you don't win the raffle, you can just go to poemmeapoem.com or email you call that radio at gmail.com. And we can talk. We can talk about it. Basically, I'll just I can write you a bespoke poem, personalise it for a loved one or for whatever topic you want it to be on. And then once you're completely happy with the results, then we can get it framed for you. And yeah, well, if you want to know more about that, go to poemmeapoem.com or fire me a message that you call that radio at gmail.com. And also in the big mad raffle, the final thing to shout out is we have. Free gig tickets to the Steve Mason UK tour, which includes any part any any part of his tour apart from Brighton, which is already completely sold out. Uh, we get tickets for the Mickey Nines gig, which is sold out, and there's tickets to Rude Beard and the Fuck Ups at Nice and Sleazy's, and there's also tickets to the Gyro Babies tenth anniversary gig, which is at Ivory Blacks on the twentieth of December. 
which is exactly 10 years to the day of the first ever Gyro Babies gig. And support from the Twistettes, a host of special guests, and there will be a big mad late night sketchy after party as well. So check out, well, available on Skiddle and Ticket Scotland if you want to get yourself a ticket for that. And if you do want to enter the Big Mad Raffle or just support the show, you just go to, you call that radio, sorry, you go to patreon.com forward slash you call that radio. Thank you very much to everyone who's been supporting the show. The best is yet to come. I'm very excited about the next episodes that are already done. I just need to edit them and they'll be with you very, very soon. But name your fucking about. Let's go to the main event. I hope you enjoy it. Great chat with Doogie Smith from the Mickey Nines. Oh, there's an, an intrusive douche. Sorry, not Doogie. Doogie, Doogie was sound. This is Doogie for the Mickey Nines. Computers these days, yeah, yeah. So, welcome to episode. I think this is 13. I'm just not bothered with that. If it is, if it's there. I think it's episode 13. <sighs> Should unlucky. be. I think I, think I was going to put you on next. I, I was going to put you on next because a lot of the interviews that I've done have been since I've been recording them since January, and I know well, I want to get the old interviews out, but at the same time, I feel like I'm talking about stuff that was in the past, so I want to get a nice, fresh today podcast. Out. Dougie Smith. Yeah, that's my name. <laughs> one of and your names. What one of your names, I. <laughs> so you've um, do you ever forget what your real name is? Do you ever get mixed up? Um well I've got I'm I've got so I'm Dougie Smith on Facebook, but that was just because when I had a Facebook it was just to look at my mate's photo. Yeah. One photo that I wanted to see and I just what thought, photo was it worth it? Yeah, it was because he was a, a really good cross country runner. Uh, when he was he was about sixteen, he was one of the best in, in Britain. And basically, uh, in the starting line, this guy called him a jock cunt. So he just leathered him and just completely cracked him in the face. And there was like this amazing photo of it. But he, <laughs> Punching the guy. Yeah, and he got disqualified from running and lost his like Nike sponsorship and all that. But it was like, uh, just like a photo, but you could only get it on Facebook. So I started an account and I thought, Dougie Smith. You know what I mean? Just the first surname that comes to your head. And so that's the story behind that. Yeah, and then you logged back in again, obviously. Yeah, exactly. It's... It's it's addictive, isn't it? High social media might be addictive. Very addictive. And I mean, smoking as well. I found with most of these, I think smoking might be addictive too. Well, I mean, I just had the one friend on social media on Facebook, which was Connor McNulty, the runner. Mm-hmm. And then I think I've got about a thousand now. But I, actually, to be honest, I don't actually know who anybody is. I just add them. They add no, they add me because of the band. And then I'm like, I can easily promote to these people, so I'll just accept it. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, they seem nice. They seem nice. Seem nice enough. I mean, is it? It is one way to promote. It's a very, a very effective way to promote. Although, 
it seems to be changing unless you're the, the robots are figuring out that you have to try to promote things and they're getting a cut yet. And the robots want a cut of the promo. Exactly. There's little tricks to try and get there around it. Like, like making pretending you're doing pub quizzes and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a few tricks. We're always we're always trying to hack the algorithms. Uh, but there's probably some algorithm that's just clicked on to hack the algorithms and it'll just put us to the bottom of the iTunes list, which is where we are anyway. So no danger there. So let's go ahead. Let's just talk about a little bit. So Doogie Smith was born from a Facebook photograph from a runner who punched a guy for being called a jog cunt and lost his night sponsorship deal. That's right. So did that come before or after the band? Um, well, I've been in a band since... I've been in like a band since I was like in about 14. So I think that was even before MySpace. And we just called Mickey Nines. So the first band was called The Silver Cats. And uh, it was kind of like really shit. <laughs> I can't even remember exactly what kind of music it was. It was sort of like kind of wannabe libertines, but even worse, much worse than that. And then uh, we started like the, the band, the lineup, almost as it is now. And it was called the Mickey Nines from my early days, even when we were about 17. But again, the music was like the, it's kind of like a bit of Stone Roses kind of rip off. But um, really, really didn't know what we were doing. Um, really didn't really know how to put a song together or anything like that. Um, and we got into like techno and dance music and things like Daft Punk in a big way when we were about 18. Um, went to Rockness uh, Festival. Oh, yeah, uh, 2007, I think it was six, maybe. And was that uh, the Daft Punk one? That's the, the famous Daft Punk one. Yeah, and Chemical Brothers as well. Also, Groove Armada played it. Errol Alkin, um, Hot Chip, like the lineup was amazing for that kind of music. And uh, yeah, we were just it just it kind of like it's cliche, but actually changed our lives, changed everything about the way we thought about how to make music. We you know. Six in the morning, we were just like, we need to just ditch all the old songs of the band, just ditch it all, scratch it. We need to just re- restart. We need to make music like this. Uh, and like, so we went in the studio soon after with a synth and all that, and tried to make electronic music. But I, I hate synths. Like, I like synthesized music, but I hate synths because I'm, I'm an analog guy. I suppose you get analog synths, but basically, I don't like buttons and stuff so it was just really found it quite boring and, and difficult because if, you, if you've got a synthesizer you have to play the music to the synth in a way because it, it will, if it forms a, a loop that forms its own rhythm so you have to everything has to hook to that rhythm yeah to that bpm but if you have a live drummer then you can just use much more kind of fluid and so we just thought we, it's so much more fun just to jam and so we yeah. touched that and tried to figure out a way of making dancey guitar music which was on the up then anyway but we weren't even it wasn't really we weren't trying to follow that trend. It was just, that's what we wanted to do, you know? And uh, yeah, and over the last, whatever it is, 10 years, it's the Mickey Nines. 10 years, exactly. 10 year yeah. anniversary. Yeah, it was earlier. It's a lot of 10 year anniversaries this year. Yeah, I believe the Jira Babies had their 10 year anniversary. Yeah, we've done it twice. We're having that. <laughs> <laughs> another one. The 20 year anniversary. I know, we're having a, we're doing it again. We're, we're the, 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 the one that we planned didn't really go to, go too well. Well, the replacement went well. No, but, I heard about that. It was really shit. So, I was the plan was the plan was to go to do it at the bars, and then because the bars wasn't happening, we did a last minute uh, replacement thing, which went really well. And it was quite cool as well because it was obviously much more our level, so it sold out. And where did you do that one again? Uh, the icebox. Yeah, we were playing the Edinburgh that night. Um, well, we, it just, but, well, it just it just felt good to sell out in minutes. Whoa! Obviously, it's a tiny venue, but sold out in minutes, and then 
we went to uh, yeah though this time we're just going I just happened to message it was actually we we calling same and I was just talking about it was quite cool if we went back to the same venue exactly 10 years to the day and that's exactly what we got Black Friday okay. 10 years to the day Ivory Blacks December 20th tickets right. on sale now that's a, yeah, it's no, not I've all heard about this original uh, legend, legendary Ivory Blacks gig yeah uh, wait a second you tell I'm sure there was something I don't know funny I don't, with I don't know well I mean it was legendary but I, I don't it was it was our first ever gig you brought a lot of people. Yeah, we sold out. Yeah, you sold out your first gig. It was, it was, it was, well, Mad Skull were there as well, so Mad Skull brought people, but I think they'd, they'd admit that we did we did a lot of it, and probably most of it. Just, we'd be such hype going, man. We'd be hype. It was. Where did the hype come from? MySpace. Ah, we'd, right, yeah. So no one had ever seen a picture of us. All we were was a, wee, <laughs> a jo- Jelly Babies that's in a job centre was a logo. Right. And we were uploading about 40 songs a month. Of, acoust- of just acoustic songs plugged into a, a singstar. A singstar might plugged into a PC and an older acoustic guitar. Nobody knew if we were for real or not. Nobody thought we were real people. Everyone wanted to come along. My friends and family knew I was having a meltdown, so they wanted to see the car crash. <laughs> Nobody wanted to miss this. Yeah, yeah. And it was all right. I felt like I wanted to do it again. And then you're in the addictive train of live music where every time you play a bad gig, you're like, I can't leave my career end like that. And then every time you have a good gig, you went, oh, that was fun, I wanted to dig in. And I think yeah. it just, I feel like I'm in a, it's really hard for, I mean, I'd maybe chuck, I'd quite a band, I'd probably, I'd probably end the Gyro Babies, I'd probably end Jackal Trades, but I don't think I could ever say I'm never playing a live gig again. Yeah, yeah. I think, did you, so then when you, if you started with a big gig, then did you, te- especially in Glasgow, then did you tend to have pretty good gigs from the start in Glasgow? Obviously when you go outside Yeah, Glasgow, I mean, we did the first few, and then it all fell off after... After a gig at Box on Easter Sunday, whereby the promoter didn't turn up and we ended up, we were on three hours earlier than we were supposed to be. Mm. Then they said we'd missed our slot. Then we managed to get 10 minutes off them. But by that point, our guitarist had drank a bottle of Bucky. Yeah. And um, I ended up smoking a cigarette on stage for smoking ban and we, as we got flung off stage. And um, we brought a big crowd. I think that was the last time we got a big crowd for a while. Right. Yeah, because no, I think we've actually had every single one of those problems at some point. Yeah, well, I think I think a lot of people, a lot of bands in the Glasgow scene, they play a few gigs. Everyone, all your friends and family come out at the beginning, but your friends and family don't like that your kind of music. And people are like very good, but even good bands, you know, it's also it, quite a lot to ask people to come, especially in the early days. We kind of made the mistake of playing in Glasgow whenever we could get a gig because we were just desperate for a gig. Yeah. And the first gig was like at the Vale. Oh, pub. Yep. Next, next to Queen, Street. Queen Street, right? And that was again. There was about three people there, um, and we just kind of thought because we we found it so hard to get a gig because we didn't have any recordings, and nowadays it's relatively easy to make a recording. Yeah. Um, still not easy, but relatively compared to the past, and uh, so we couldn't like like leave a demo. We didn't know anybody. Blah blah blah, and so any gig we would take it. So it would be like Monday night. And then Wednesday night of the same week, yeah. And you're asking people to come to both gigs, yeah. That's so, not going to happen. You know, people are not going to do that. And it took us a while to kind of wise up to the way to do it, which is to to actually spare yourself, play you know one big gig every six months. And I think once we start to, we we got well, savvy. I, I think it took it, us a I long think, time. If listen, I think if anyone's listening, that for you guys, maybe one big gig every six months. But I think there's a middle ground when you're coming up. Because obviously you're you're just trying you're trying to pack out big venues. Yeah, now. Okay, maybe not including maybe support things. If you if you got some decent support gigs, then yeah. go for them. Obviously, because you don't have to. 
you don't have to put too as much into that. Yeah, um, but so and I mean, and I suppose if you've got a really young, if you've got, if you've got a young fan base as well, so if you're if you're all your mates are coming out to support you, then you can maybe get away with one Glasgow every month or two. But yeah, I do agree as well. I mean, you, it makes it more it makes it more special, doesn't it? We used to run our own club night uh, called Hochin, and we used to play that every month, and we really took it seriously in terms of like we tried to make a really interesting night every night. Like really good DJs, um, put a lot of it. Was, it was, do you know? I can't even remember, I don't know what it's called now, but it's, it used to be called Stairway. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know exactly. It's a very random place, yeah. It used to be the catwalk, maybe it was called the yeah, catwalk. catwalk on Union Street, right? yeah, just right next to Central, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was a guy there who really loved the band, and he was like, I love you guys, I just I just want to put you on every month, and you can run your own night, and here's whatever I think a few hundred quid or whatever. Um, and I was like, we were just like, this is so cool. But you know, it's it's you've obviously been a promoter for for forever, and you know how difficult it is. And like, yeah. so you get somebody to come to come to the first one, and then half the number for the second one. And we were trying to make it bigger every every yeah. time. So we were paying bands coming up from England and all that, yeah. just trying to make something feel amazing. Like we did like a black exploitation night, a Daft Punk theme night, uh, a bit of everything, but. You know, it died after a few months. It's, yeah. t- it's so tough, man, because it's like that's such a good idea. But do you know what I think the problem with the with that is is that you. So I think that you can do a good club night that changes every month, but see, because you're a band, I think a band playing the same venue once a month is a terrible idea. Yeah, definitely. because basically you, you want to just. It doesn't matter how much you love a venue. That's why you know we've all got our favourites venues that we'd like to play every every time but it's boring for the fans if you're just going to play the same you want to change up the scenery change the sound the dynamic I think if you're playing on a kind of strip if you know what I mean so like if you're in Edinburgh where there's going to be a lot of passing traffic uh, I know a lot of bands in New York kind of made it that way or maybe London their first break I don't actually know which bands but I've heard stories you know they would get a monthly you've heard thing things, I've heard a, things. Oh, you've heard things you know. like a weekly thing maybe um, and I'm making this up. It's not the Strokes because I'm pretty sure they just got a ticket to to to, to Sardin because the guy's parents were really rich. Yeah. But um, imagine it was the Strokes. Just the Strokes playing, present. You know, some some every night, every night they had a different. They had a cabaret act in. <laughs> every night they worked. And eventually, for forty years, for forty years, years later, them. forty years later, this guy comes in and goes, like, "You cunts are really good looking, <laughs> and you're actually pretty good." His first album was amazing. So was the second one. Um, but yeah, you know, I think if you're in that kind of strip though, and people are coming through, but again, if you're doing it, your DIY, you're trying to bring people. It's your band. It's your, it's your, your you're band. bringing your own. It's your, your, if, you're, if your own band's playing every time, I, I don't know. I don't think it works. In, I don't think it worked in Glasgow. Maybe in Edinburgh, know. ironically, even though it's smaller, just because you got more of a passing traffic. It, well, it'd work in the fringe, but it wouldn't work in September. Yeah, you're right. You're so, right. but yeah. I, I like that idea of a, a band presents. You know who, who did. Adam Holmes did that. Adam Holmes presents. I'm pretty sure. I think they did it every couple of months, and that worked out great. They presented like you know, Bang Dirty Mog and stuff like that. And I think that night went well. But I, I don't know if it didn't start. But I don't know if that's because. But that seemed to be working well. well I think well, Shot Bill was are doing a presents thing just now, and I like yeah, the yeah. idea of like. But I think once a month is just pushing it. No, it is. Well, what we ended London up doing, maybe? which was which was really a real big step for us, which I think I would recommend to people. If you are like in a young band or you're just trying to get gigs and stuff, because honestly, we now we can play a well. I might as well just plug the gig now since we're talking plug about the it. gig. Um, we're playing the Cat House on the 16th of November, um, 
and that's nearly sold out. Uh, I think there's about 50 tickets left, so get on it. You'll, you will need to buy it in advance, so you, you just won't get in, um, which is great for me. Yeah. Um, but um, so This is all the promo you need to do. So, you know, like, we, we can just get that from... We've been establishing Glasgow for a while, so we can get that by just putting a gig out on Facebook or whatever. But, you know, in the past, we struggled for years and years to get anybody. And we found... We turned a corner. Well, one thing that helped was music videos, but apart from that, in terms of actual gigs... Um, we put on our own gigs, right? And then we did it sparingly and we tried to do it right. So we had complete control. So like we booked out the Kenning Park complex and we did like a Mickey Nine stock, which was kind of like a wee festival. It we was had... an amazing flyer for that as well. It was. Yep. It was. We were put, put effort into stuff like flyers, make it sound cool. Um, and, you know, we put on food and just lots of different types of acts. And because it was something special, it obviously wasn't just a gig at People People, although I love People People. Oi. <laughs> that's a wee end joke if you don't know what people, people are <laughs> but uh, yeah so putting on our own thing and then we it was really successful suddenly you actually had a proper crowd of a couple hundred people or maybe more and then you know you would start to make that a thing so people would know or they put on cool nights they do something special it's not just them playing in like a four band it's about the way it's a yeah. pain it's almost a, it's almost inconvenient to the to the people that are going there they're like how did you even get to that place? Well, it's not even. Yeah, so we had to put a map on it and on the suppliers yeah. and stuff. So, in some ways, kind of, it's, it's risky because, in some ways, it's harder for people to get to. But in other ways, once people get there, there's a, there's a, a everyone's a, there's a pack, a pack mentality. I don't know. Everyone yeah. seems, see, everyone seems together. Like, oh, did you find the place? I don't know. I think it's like, I'm sure a lot of people in Glasgow and in Scotland have friends who are in bands. I mean, it's a very saturated, for better or worse, uh, scene. And so I bet people get invited out to gigs all the time. Like, I, I don't even know what it's like for an ordinary person because I've obviously, most of my pals are in bands and stuff. But I just imagine you get it a lot and it's like, oh, can we go see his band? We just got the pop or whatever. But if it's something clearly that they've put effort in, it's special, they're putting it on, it's something different, people will go to it, I think. And yeah. they'll, they'll want to see what it is. And the, there's the, some interesting after party choices as well, Yusufid. Indeed. Yeah. The less folk about that, the better. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, let me just a wee bit more plugging for the cat house while we're on it, since we're talking about gigs. Yeah, let's just, just plug it. Yeah, yeah. So like, um, we've 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 went away from playing the alternative venues because we're we've went mainstream. All right, yeah. And because we've played like abandoned warehouses and like China town of like snooker halls and stuff like that over the years, but um, with last the last gig was at the garage. But I'll tell you what, the garage is an underrated gig venue man it was, it's got no, amazing well, speakers well, like speakers sound system and that good floor Andy good Jackson space. on the sound yeah he's, really good sound man he's, 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 a, he's a great he's, totally yeah. and like so good sound men are sound sound men are worth their weight in, uh, in gold you know and um, what else yeah so the cat house I actually think is similar like the cat house is obviously like the 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 mosher venue did we you just, ever go to the cat house yeah when we were about 14 we were moshers yeah and uh, I, I got my, I, uh, I didn't break my VL there, but I, I, I kind of liked it. I broke my best VL there with a girl that I really fancied. So yeah, it was pretty amazing. Your best VL. And then she, but then she kind of broke her VL for the thousandth time there on the same night that she broke it. She, you know, you know what I mean? Heartbreaking. You know, but I, I expected that. I expected that. So I was just happy. And uh, we were just moshing away to like Limp Biscuit. Limp Biscuit. Having, having a great time, man. But, um, so is this a, is this does this feel like you're setting the record straight by finally going back to the cat yeah. house when you broke your best VLs and saying you know look at me now? 
I think sometimes <laughs> when we tell people like what kind of music we're into, like people like really go off our band because <laughs> like, well, you you like one biscuit. <laughs> oh, you're fourteen. <laughs> yeah, I know. And yeah. they're, to be honest, man, fucking they're good. No, I didn't. I never really. I never no, they're they're they're, they're, they're kind of like the height of awfulness, but at the same time, I've, they've got such a good nostalgia for me, all that kind of stuff. So, but yeah, so the car house has obviously got that rep for being like a mosher kind of golf. Place. Also, but, Oasis you know, didn't sing "I Am the Walrus." There is that a myth? That's some no. It's not. It says it says on the back of the the B side. I I think we're singing it's an alcohol maybe. All right. Um, I am the walrus live at the car house. It said in the background. Didn't know that. But actually, it was recorded in somewhere like Reading. But they would have already been so big by the time that came out that it would be impossible to play the car house, surely. No, I think because they basically just had one gig and then got a ma- massive deal. Yeah, but they, I think it was one of the singles after it. Rock and roll star. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe one of them. Maybe one of the early singles. Yeah, maybe it was Love Forever. Who knows? I heard that the Guns N' Roses played, but again, I don't know if that's bullshit. But it said live at the house Glasgow because it was wanted to sound cool rather than the a bar in Reading. Yeah, but that's the house for me was just a place where we used to. It was just it was just a, it was a club we sometimes go to, and I remember we used to like for the rock the kind of the well for the musical well my mate my mate Fergie he'd he was he was right into that kind of music he was also a Lumbisca fan but also and then Mary's his hardcore stuff as well. And we 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 been working at a calls in with the shirts on, trying to get the cows, and the guys like no chances of going to the wrong place. And then he would just start going, you know who my favourite band is, and then he would get us in by <laughs> yeah yeah by um, name checking some cool some cool hardcore stuff. Yeah, well, well we're going to open up our sets. It's going to be a wee special thing that I wanted to mention. Yeah, um, because we were we actually when we're in the studio we like to play just for for a laugh like the old Mosher stuff, uh, like maybe a bit. Of, like on just even blink one eight two or just just something pure cheesy just for a laugh yeah because it's just it's quite it's really fun to play and especially metal is I know why so many people are in metal bands even though I don't really listen to metal yeah it's the funnest music to play on the guitar it's so much fun so we usually kind of jam and muck about that stuff for a laugh anyway so led us to this idea we want to make the first song of the set which is usually going to be like explosive we're going to do Chop Suey by System of a Down alright cool wake up I don't know the words yet, but you know, is that a promise? Is nobody knows the words. No, it's definitely going to happen. Oh, it's definitely going to happen. Unless, it? I mean, the only thing is, it's quite difficult to play. Uh, they're actually like a really good band, <laughs> unlike us. So we're going to have to pure rehearse it. He's not a good band, though. Come on. I mean, technically, technically, he's a he's a very very tight. Is that is that yeah. come is that come from just playing each other for so long, or is that practice, or how did that happen? Uh, I think it's, it's both practice and playing with each other for so long. Yeah. I think uh, I played with, you know, Ant, Ants, who's a guitarist, uh, actually taught me how to play the guitar. Um, he got a guitar for his Christmas when he was about 14. And I went over to his and he was, he could play Come As You Are by Nirvana, which a lot of people learn that as their first riff. And so I, was, I couldn't believe the fact that he could play this. I just thought it was... The music from the the CD was coming from the guitar. I couldn't understand how this was possible, and so he taught me how to do it, and I was hooked. So we've been basically been playing together since we actually knew how to play. And wait, wait, uh, wait, when was that? What age were you? Fourteen, probably. 14, but I've known Ant since primary school, and then Dave as well. Um, since you know he's he was the he actually knew how to, like Dave and Ross are actually good musicians. <laughs> like they can play guitar, piano, drums, all this stuff. Whereas me, and Ant's just a, just guitar. 
Yeah, I've um, actually I've actually played a. I've seen Dave. Me and Dave made a musical together in Sweden. I'm not. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> snoozical the musical it's about snooze the tobacco <laughs> product and, um, and uh, Dave just took it away in the piano and uh, yeah he's insane isn't he yeah, like, yeah he was very, got, very good he's got like an insane talent for stuff like that yeah um, but yeah yeah so and then but see I think the other thing is genuinely when we like when we rehearse we don't stop rehearsing the songs until we're really sick of them uh, we want we just we want to get it to that level of tightness yeah and until recently, we would definitely rehearse before every gig, pretty much. Until the last few years, when we've, you know, we've actually had this set list for a couple of years now. That's why we're going away to write a bunch of new stuff soon. Whereabouts in the stage? So, are you, are you writing that stuff with ants and then taking to the rest of the band? Or? No, we always write it together as a four. Um, so, if he's unpracticing how he's, how he's doing that? So, it's well, so it's a combination. I mean, we basically write all the songs together as four. So, we kind of, if, if we made money from the songwriting credits, then it would get split four ways. So, that, you know, zero divided by four is zero. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so. But sometimes I might have written something, you know, I might have written a couple of chords with some lyrics and then I take to the guys and then we, we work on it together or maybe Ants has written something or whatever. But generally it's four. Um, we have been managing to get into the studios every now and then. We have we have loads of old stuff that's actually, I think it, I just heard it on my phone, you record stuff on your phone. And I was like, this the other day I was listening to it, I thought, this is actually quite good. I can't believe we just ditched this. And it must have been just because we like, we written it, had a gig, played the gig, completely forgot we'd written it. Um, so we've got loads of stuff like just lying around that we want to get put together um, and loads of new stuff as well. I'm starting to get the creative buzz again uh, in a big way, which has been really a great surge of energy for me. Like, um, Is that I'd, just having the baby? Yeah, I've, I've got a one just in it. Too much, just too much to take on and then totally. no energy left, keeping a job, yeah, playing gigs as well. Yeah, so it's not really time to let your mind wander into creative. Exactly. I mean, I've got a full-time job and I've got a baby one and a half years old um but just that he's starting to sleep a wee bit better now and um, starting to get the the energy a bit more energy and getting the vibe of the music um coming up with lots of different ideas writing down lyrics so it's not and it's not just mickey nines it's a killer whale so that was you made an album just before you had the baby yeah i kind of rushed that out as quickly as possible because i had all these songs um about probably about 30 odd songs and i boiled that down to that was all acoustic 
singer-songwriter stuff that would never work with Mickey Nines. It was far too nice. Uh, Mickey Nines is obviously a bit kind of edgier. It's kind of, if you don't know, it's like kind of funk, metal, dance, rap stuff. And it's pretty heavy, heavy dancey kind of vibes with usually quite dark lyrics, whereas this was the other the other side of me. It is, you know, it is literally the other side of you. You know, like the yin or the yang or whatever one's the good one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and this is actually usually songs written, you know, maybe the day after a, f- a four-day festival when you're feeling a bit fragile, um, sitting with the acoustic guitar playing, playing the C chord over and over again. I like the way that you can actually make that, that nice music after a four-day festival. I would have thought that's where the dark lyrics would come from. No, I do it to like reassure myself. And because I can't sleep after them, I don't really do that anymore, to be honest, that much. But because I can't sleep after them, I'm up late and I'm just quiet, playing the guitar, the, the guitar quietly. So they're all very nice type of lyrics about, you know, spirituality. and a bit You haven't actually, really, you've not released like this that. yet, or you have released it? Um, so... I've not released it, but I did make a couple of music videos and I have shared it with a few people. So I know that you've heard it and yeah. some like people that my friends have heard it. Um, but because I, I basically recorded it as quickly as I could, so that because I, I knew Giorgio was on his way, my, my, my boy, and I thought as soon as he's born, I'm, this is going to get shelved for years. Yeah. So I really wanted to record it. And then I thought, I'll f- try to figure out a way of releasing it, but I couldn't do it, do it justice. So it's still sitting there. If you want to hear it, let me know. I'll send you it. But I don't want to release it, and as I just and just without the right the, the requisite energy behind it, I want to make a proper go of it because I think it's good music. It deserves um, the effort, and I feel if I just kind of put it out and then just left it, that would just be it would just be wasted a wee bit. I want to build up some some hype and stuff, and you know actually have a band ready so we can actually gig it and do it properly. Otherwise, I feel like. Yeah, no, if, you just, if, just, if, you, if you just drop out there, then and you don't put the energy behind it, then it's just not going to do anything. It'll that's, disappear. It'll what, disappear amongst like. And also, you know, like there's like three songs uploaded to Spotify, like every uploaded. Yeah, just not listened to, uploaded by artists every like second. I don't know the exact statistic, but it's mental. Yeah, it's a lot of music out there. So it's like you don't want to get lost in that ocean. I will get lost in the ocean, but. As much. <laughs> ah, you might you, you, you might send it to the ocean with a, with a wee flare. With some, with with one flare. <laughs> with like a whistle. A lighter. Just a whistle. A clipper. <laughs> right in the middle of the Atlantic whistling. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, and then a seagull just eats your whistle. Yeah. But at, least, but at least the whistle was there. At least someone heard the whistle. Yeah, the seagull enjoyed it. The seagull enjoyed the music. <laughs> the gulls. The, I saw with the... Yeah, because I suppose when you do that as well, I mean, that's the other thing. If you just throw something out... And you don't put any energy behind it, then it inevitably fails because it gets lost in the sea. Yeah. And then as a result, you start you start doubting yourself as an artist and going, maybe I'm shit. Well, you doubt yourself all the, as an artist Aye. all the time, anyway. So you need some validation. You need a wee. You, you need, need a wee, You need a wee pat in the back every so often. For me, it's all about uh, sort of no regrets because, like, I'm not I've not got big expectations, um, because, you know. I just think you've you got you do, you do need a bit of luck no matter how good you are and stuff and I feel like so for me it's I don't again I've, I've sort of worried I'm going to stray into total cliche territory here but do I like a cliche you know I genuinely try to just do it for myself and make the music for for fun yeah and for enjoyment but at the same time I don't want to have a regret later on and think oh that was good I should have released that properly I should have put the energy into it. I shouldn't have, shouldn't have just been tired and thought oh it doesn't matter you know so I want to always have that kind of no regret. Yeah. to stuff 
What um, I mean, what I mean, obviously, my are, are are huge in Glasgow and well, Scotland. Anyway, well, how how's your adventures to England been or, or further? Yeah, so um, do you know what? There's a few places we've never played, which is we need to rectify, such as Manchester. But we're, we're we've got a, a wee foothold in Liverpool. We're in Manchester in October the twenty sixth. Gyro babies, Teaser puppets. And Poppycock at the castle. Sorry. See how I set that one up for you? That was nice. I'm Cheers. A um, yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> I Yeah, we played in Liverpool because we played Liverpool Sound City a bunch of times. Um, we, we ended up being quite pally with the two organisers, Pitch and Lawrence, who are total, total legends and friends of our um, old manager, Damien. Um, so we've had a really good times down there and had some pretty good gigs there. Um haven't played there for a couple of years now, though. We actually got invited back last year, which would have been really good, and it clashed with something else. And we're kind of like yourselves. We, we really don't cancel gigs. Yeah. Um, although we, I think we might have cancelled. We, we don't have the same record, but we we genuinely try not to, and we hardly hardly ever have. Um, and this one was like a, a clash. It was kind of like an Inverness gig, which was, you know, it's like, and it can be like great, have great gigs up there, but Inverness versus this massive festival in Liverpool which, yeah, Liverpool is, which a is, is a huge big deal but at the same time it was like you'd already said yeah and also the guy was good to us he was paying us and all that and you don't want to let him down so but anyway so I'm sure we know the guy so we'll probably get to go back next year hopefully or you know that's would. and uh, trying to make a wee bit of headway into London which is uh, I don't know if you can imagine this if you're not in a band but it's an absolute nightmare of a city to try and do anything um, because it's you know double the population of Scotland in one city. Um, we've had a few we had a few gigs down there, and we played there in the summer, the start of the summer, a festival on um, what's called Camden, uh, like an outdoor festival, and that was pretty cool. Um, and we felt like that was a wee a good wee step. I think Camden's the right kind of place for us because it's it's got that reputation of almost quite punky but also quite dancey music like Madness are famously from Camden and the Libertines um, and there's that oh god I forgot the name of the venue now it's that famous pub that we played the ship something the ship I can't remember but anyway that's where like Madness and, and that used to play and so we've, we've managed to get a foothold in that so for us like if you're, if you're trying to get into other cities if you can just find some guy who has a venue or some pr- promoter who likes you yeah. that's, that's, you, that's you you're in now because as soon as you got that one one that one ally, um, so we've got that now in London. But again, it's not it's not easy to to find that. You know, most people go down, they put all the money into, it and they play to like ten people. Yeah, you know. Well, I mean, I, th- I remember that I used to, the, the excitement of like play <laughs> playing London. I mean, I think I first time well the only time we played London was about eight seven years ago. I don't know seven or eight years ago, and the fact that we were playing London was just like we've made it now guys and you know everyone's high-fiving each totally. other all my friends and family were like, I knew you could do it I knew you could do it you've done it and then obviously we went in there and uh, four four gigs in four days well that's like <laughs> and also gate crashed to occupy London as well did a bit of, did a, did a wee set of that cool then a, an open mic as well but obviously yeah the, the, the gigs were the one it's huge you know we, there was there was this kind of sort of I don't know there must have been like this naive feeling that playing London there would be this big massive crowd there for us woo nah no really rubbish <laughs> it didn't go really that well we were, we were a bit drunk as we were younger so we just got kind of wasted 
didn't really take it seriously as we should have. Brixton was good, but by that point I had no, had no voice. So there's a video if you look up Gyro Babies deal with death metal hecklers. We ended up playing some yeah, death metal. And that was that. Yeah, yeah. Um, where was another place? I, I don't know. Anyway, I think we played Brixton as well. It was actually quite. Good. Brixton was great. I just loved, I loved the vibe of Brixton. Yeah, it's a really cool place. Very cool. And I've it, sort of, it I don't know about body. you, but I've kind of learned to love, not learned to love it, but learned to somewhat like London. Oh no, I do like it. Years, I just, I just, I just it. think, I think. I, I, I love this, isn't it? I love it. It's a different world. Yeah, it's another and I, and I, It's a, a, lo- like a lovely visit. world to visit every so often, but yeah. I, I just think that, uh, I mean, I was, I've been offered work down there in the past and I just I just can't see myself living there. I think I would have been, I think I would have really, really got into it if I'd went young. I think I would have, I would have became a London person and would have loved it. I think you actually it. have to be young or, young or minted. Yeah. Um, because like, you know, even if you've got a, a pretty good paying job, you're probably going to be flat sharing with quite a lot of people, um, and you're going to be the traveling, stressed. Exactly, you're going to be running about all the time, commuting wherever you're going, and then there's so much boozing, yeah, and because people are so stressed, uh, they just. I mean, obviously, can't talk if you're for Glasgow, but <laughs> not not like off here. Yeah, no. nice, uh... Uh, but it's more expensive, <laughs> so. Imagine like boozing as much as you do here, but you got to pay twice as much. That's London. Yeah, doesn't it? There's a bit of hanging about. Don't get me started. Minimum pricing. That's this. I'll take it. But yeah, so it's, it's London is the. You know that you need to you need to make it London if you want to make it at all. Really, didn't you? Yeah, I do you know what I was thinking. If you want to, if you want, well, if you want to, well, I suppose that making the definition of making is different. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, you have made it. You's Mickey's have made it already. And if you are on, I'm happy. Man. And if you play a, if you play a festival anywhere in Scotland, or then there's going to be, or even in North England, or even at Lindisfarne, he's run the main stage. He's going to have a, he's going to have a, a squad out to see us. Yeah, um, I was just thinking about when you're talking about that, like going down to London to make it. You hear about like the different routes to inverted commas success. Um, do you know like the Amazing Snakeheads, um, that really cool band yep. from Glasgow. Um, they, I saw them a couple of times um, before they were famous, and uh, they were basically supporting my mate, I think, or he was supporting them, or whatever it was. And I thought they were, you know, class because they were just amazing live. And uh, saw them in where was it SWG three or whatever it's the one next to that, the Poetry Club, um, to you know twenty people or whatever, and thought they were brilliant. And then. Um, about a month later, they'd signed to a major label. And basically, they had, you know, no real fans in Glasgow, like at all. Didn't, nobody really knew them, but I just happened to have seen them because of my, my mate played with them. Um, but a guy saw them who was like a manager type. He knew, like, the, the London heads. Took them down to London. They played one gig in London, and that was it, the major label. A tour of the America, like they'd actually do the tour of the America, but they they were signed, were they were you know, thingied up to do the tour, um, and that was you know just a click of a fingers that just went from nothing to massive. Yeah, well, I remember you seeing that they, they were one before us at Uberfest at the Soundhouse outside mm. outside the Soundhouse, and I was like, they're they're absolutely amazing. Yeah, and uh, such a good and then, but this was this was a good couple of years before they just suddenly got the success. But I'd always assumed that. That they they'd just been uh, they'd been touring up and down the country. I thought they were doing lots of 
they might stuff. have done, I, to be honest, I don't know them personally and that, but they might have done other gigs. But my impression of them, because they were a Glasgow band, and they were heard, I mean, people, they weren't like complete nobodies, but they were just like one of the one of us, if you know what I mean. Interestingly, they also had that, they did the a monthly night broadcast, paid them to do three, three nights in a, in a row, monthly, and that actually worked for them, because that was, right. the hype was crazy, because... They were bigger than broadcast. So was as that a result, after the, the label deal? The label? That was, I think that was after the label yeah, was involved. Imagine what it been. I think there was maybe a bit of development going on while they were making the album or something like that. Yeah. And then obviously after they split up, we played with Laura St. Jude um, and, you know, Dale, obviously R.I.P. to Dale. It was, it was mm, yeah, horrible. Yeah. And I think I think Robbie, our guitarist, he made some tunes with him as well. He, was, he did a couple of gigs with him, uh, Dale's solo stuff. I didn't know you guys knew them. Oh. Well, I, we, I, I like knew them a wee bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I knew Dale from Uberfest at the Soundhouse and Aberdeen, and that was a bit. Oh, and Brew at the Bog. So we just sometimes we'd bump it. We sometimes in the same bill, and we'd have a wee chat. But I wasn't really, I wasn't that close. I just knew him from from the from the, the circuit kind of thing. But it sound oh. but going well. But I think, but Robbie ended up doing some work with him. He ended up. Uh, we played. He played with him at one of his solo gigs. I think he recorded his last. I think he was involved in the recordings of his last tunes as well. I'm, I'm not sure. All right, cool. Yeah, I mean, like uh, the, the to show the sincerest form of respect. Um, I'm going to try and rip them off a wee bit on the new show for Mickey Nines. Yeah, um, you know that kind of evil Glaswegian growl thing. I've actually heard you doing that before. Yeah, and I, I think I wanted a bit more of that. I think it's really, really cool, basically. And I mean, he he does it. Uh, they always do it like absolutely amazing. Um, but that just kind of like, I hear a cause and I... You know, Have you heard that band called Frankie's Evil that's Party? Right. I think Frankie's Evil House Party, that's it. Yeah, I've heard of them. Yeah, they're, they're, doing, they're doing that very well. Oh, shit. Very, very <laughs> well. Doing <laughs> no, go and check them out, by the way. I'm, I'm not, I don't mean that as a... No, no, genuinely. I don't, don't mean that Frankie's as Evil House Party? Frankie's Evil House Party. Yeah, I'm sure there's a Frankie's Evil Party. Show. Sorry if I'm getting the name wrong. But I've seen them at broadcast there... They're doing that. It's 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 absolutely it's brilliant. It's yeah, brilliant. Yeah. But it's definitely that that world. The evil evil Glaswegian. I think they're from Dumfries, but it sounds like a an amazing snakehead's accent. Yeah, yeah. If you know what I mean. But it's, it's, it's a very under because the thing was his face used to do it, Alex Harvey. Yeah, uh, Alex Harvey, and he did that in the seventies. Tre- tre- is it Trevor Faceenders? <sighs> I don't. I don't know. Is it? There's a guy. <laughs> you know, you know, you know, Glasgow's either. <laughs> The Scottish accent when they appear in that in English soaps were either. I oh, know we're speaking of that. Were either either the this either the Polishman or the or the wife beater. I have a rant. I think it was Trevor. Trevor. I have a rant. See Peaky Blinders. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Yeah, well, I watched the first three seasons and I got a bit lost and bored it. Yeah, it does. Get, it does get and it gets pretty shite. I think. But it was really good though. I did. It enjoy was it. really good. I think I maybe really missed good. a season or something. And Kieran Murphy's. It didn't amazing. make sense. It just. It, I tried to watch it. and I was like, what is Kieran going with Um. Yeah. Like. I mean, it was really good for a bit, and that and it did go really bad. But the last season, I stopped watching it because the the Billy Boys are in it. I've heard that they're Scottish guys. And this, honestly, it's just an English some non non Scottish actor actor doing the accent and just butchering it. And it's like, well, can you do an act? Can you do an impression of their impression? Hello, hello. We are the Billy. <laughs> 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 uh, I can't do. Is it pure English? No, it's not pure it's English. Just, it's, it's like just, it's English? just it's like. It's just somebody who's like never actually heard a Glaswegian speak, but has been told by a vo- maybe a, a sort of voice coach roughly what people do, and it's really right, bad. And the thing is, like, 
I don't so like, classically trained actors who went, I can do any accent. Yeah. And I, like, I don't, I mean, who cares? I right? can do any accent. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. But I mean, who, who, who cares? But then it's sort of like, I thought it was really like insulting because it's like, there are millions of people in Scotland going to be watching this who are going to be big fans. And they just think, well, who cares about them? How about that then? Well, you know, right now it's like when they get white actors to, to, to black up to play someone else and then obviously everyone goes mental or when you get the most recent one is was you know what people non-transgendered people playing transgendered people and everyone's rightly or wrongly gone mental with that stuff what about what about why 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 is scottish people not I, going mental those, are, 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 those two, are scottish say, people going mental just, saying what about us i just thought those two are kind of not that controversial like in terms of like i would agree that's bad but what about this i just thought that a passing thought Straight actors playing gay people in films and that. Mm. Yeah, well, it's an interesting one. It's, it's a tough one. I don't. I've, I've no really got an opinion on it. I, I, do, opinion I do, I do, I do, I do believe, and I probably should just stay away from it because we'll get in trouble. Because talking about a thing that people are very passionate about, and now I don't. I suppose the thing is that in one hand you've got the argument it's acting. Do you know what I mean? And I'm sure you could give lots of you know examples. Well, I always go by Ian McKellen's rule of acting, which is just pretend you're a wizard. <laughs> Which is basically what I do. <laughs> yeah. So if you're not a wizard, just pretend you're a wizard. Just pretend you're a and wizard. And that's acting. It's basically what I do most, most days. That's acting. <laughs> but I, I, yeah, but I do, I do also agree with like, surely there's, there's a Scottish guy. I mean, all the still game guys, they would have been up for it. They're there at work now. Was it still game? Exactly. At the weekend. Oh, yeah, how was it? It was good. Good send off? It was a good send off. It was, it's, it's part of history. Yeah, kind it? of. Is. So it was good. To, it was the last day. It was out with my dad and stuff. It's like it was just it was a, an emotional day for the for the for the big man. So it was just a oh, nice. it was good it was good aye. We had on them. And then I watched Breaking Bad and the Breaking Bad film, El Camino. Film? El Camino. Is that on Netflix or anything like that? Yes, it's on the Netflix right now. It's not bad at all. Not bad. Mate, it definitely would want I can see why people are criticizing it, but that's just because it makes you want more. It's not really enough. Ah, right. But I don't know if they might be doing that as a setup for a. Is know. it Jesse's story? It's Jesse's story, yeah. Interesting. Jess, what happened to Jess after it? So it kind of just ties yeah, yeah. up some loose ends. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I think, I mean, uh, the the TV series is obviously classic. I loved it. Bad. I loved the TV series. I, th- I thought the ending of that was brilliant as well. So I was a wee bit worried that you would do something after the ending that would take away from how good the ending was. I think if it's you know okay. But it's okay. I think it's okay. I, I, I liked it. Without, don't don't spoil it for I'm me or, or the listeners. But you know, I don't want some sort of he 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 makes it good in the end. Pish, I hate that. Well, I like the fact that he's just fucked at the because <laughs> <laughs> it just stayed true to the spirit of the well, show. Well, I can't talk about it anymore without giving you spoilers. Yeah, fair, so, enough, fair enough. And um, I'm going to see the Joker tomorrow. Oh yeah, shit. And I want to see the Chris Morris film. But anyway, this podcast has turned into things that I'm consuming. <laughs> <laughs> art that I'm consuming with my eyes. Um, so, speaking of other art forms, you're also an author. Good link. That was a good segue, innit? I love that. Aye, so you're, you're cause like, I know that you're an author. I read some of your sort of short story things you put online. Yeah. But are you actually working on a novel or. or... So, um, I've always, like, written shit, if you know what I mean. And uh, but I've I've always had like ambitions to properly write a, a novel. I've always written short stories and we, th- you know, we we things. Um, but I managed to go a couple of years ago. Is that a couple of years ago? That is actually a couple of years ago. I managed to go part time, and then using my spare time, I wrote two novels and a play. 
Um, and now I had to go back full time again for the money, obviously. Um, but I'm planning again to go part time again eventually. So that's my, my my life my life goals. So I can do you know more focus on my creative my creative pursuits. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so what, 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 what the books that I've already been done. What, what happens with them? So I haven't had a chance. Kind of like the Killer Wheel music, like my other music project. I haven't had a chance to properly punt them. So I need to, it, you know, looking for publishers. Um, and so if you're a publisher and you're out there, exactly, man. Um, and literary agents and all that. It's a bit like being be in that, a band. Like the story one day you're on Parkinson or like equivalent of a Parkinson. Like, so how did you? How did exactly. you make it? So like, I was on the a podcast and. Uh, Exactly. I told yeah. the story. You never know. You never know. But it's kind of like it's a bit like I've, uh, a bit like being in a band. Like it's not easy to get something. Like if you if you've if you're in a band and you recorded one song and it's three minutes long, to get somebody to actually listen to that song and it's just three minutes, three minutes of their life, is extremely difficult. Just to, just to get them to listen to it. Um, never mind like it or anything, or even pay attention while they're listening. So if you've got a book like a novel, which is well, the, the longest one I've written is like 90,000 words, so it'd be about 300 pages. You know, like try and get them to actually read, like read a sentence or a page, never mind the whole thing. These it's are not fast readers, though. They're fast not readers, easy. man. No, I mean, that's their job to go out and read these things. They read that, with their fingers, I heard. They can just sort of hoover through the pages <laughs> with their fingers. I hope they don't. <laughs> they're all blind. <laughs> but the, I was going to say, so, so what I mean is, the process of actually trying to put the stuff out is another year's work, even though I've written the stuff. But I need a proper, yes, at least six months to give it a proper go. Um, so that's kind of my next step, my, my next thing. Um, and I'm actually really looking forward to just getting stuck into that. Um, and then, I, to be honest, the thing about, um, I, mean, I know you're, you're the same. Whenever I'm being creative, like, like writing a song or writing a story or whatever it is, I kind of have this weird thing that I kind of just want to get it done so I can do the next one. So it's I find it really annoying getting, like, I've got this Killer Wheel album, but I finished it two years ago. I've got this novel, but I finished it two years ago. I really want to just write, write the new album. I really want to write the new book, but I need to release this one first and it's going to take loads of effort. Yeah. So um, That's annoying. I mean, so you, you spend loads of time getting something just right and then there's this new beat. You're like, oh, oh that, the new thing. Yeah, so it's like that meme with the the guys walking in the street, and you know, there's like oh yeah, looking over his shoulder, looking over his shoulder, yeah, and it's yeah. like new project walking that way. Yeah, totally. And it's five hundred unfinished songs going what? <laughs>
But yeah, I did actually finish the two books. Um, so so the, is it, what's, the, what's the trick to that? Do you just go, do you, do you just get, do you go for an amazing first page? Do you spend a lot of time getting that first page bang on? Eventually. I think what I do is I try to be really disciplined about um, like getting words down on paper. So I would set myself a target. I had two days off a week. So I would set myself a target of about, I think, three to 4,000 words each day. Each day, yeah, and that's just for the first draft. So, are you are you keeping are you keeping most of that stuff, or are you just like throwing so, words? When you say throwing words on the paper, are you just exploring this whole concept, or did you have the did you have the the meat and tatties to the story? Did you have the, yeah. the beginning, middle, and end all over the years? So, when I started doing anything, I used to just do just jump blank page, just do whatever I want. But the more the the, more, the older I get, the more I plan and structure things. So I had the structure, especially of the longer novel, uh, down to a like a real T. Like my plan for the novel. So like the, let's say the novel was about ninety thousand words. The plan was about forty thousand words on a different document, and that was sketching out the characters, the, the timelines, the, the the events, the setting, the the everything. Like everything was all there, and going constantly going back to it. So I used to spend a half day every week. So I actually spent a couple of months making that. And then I spent a half day every week um, going back to the plan and adjusting it. Um, so that's how when I started to write the actual words on the paper, I kind of knew what I was going to write. Um, but then, you know, you do that. I left it for a couple of months, wrote the other thing, and then come back to the original one, which is finished, and then rewrite the whole thing from, you know, because like the, the redraft is probably, more, I would say, more significant than the first draft. You, you... Like there's this, I think I can't remember. What, some famous writer said that writing is rewriting. Um, this apply this would apply to prose and maybe poetry. Songs are different, obviously, but definitely the process of rewriting and, and deleting things and killing your darlings and like if you, you spent ages in this chapter and then you realize it's it's shite, just delete the whole thing. Um, that's a part of it as well, and that probably took maybe two or three redrafts. So that probably took longer than the first draft in total. So it's a Kill Your Darlings, that's an Orwell. Is it Orwell? I think I've so. heard it from somewhere. I think it's Orwell. Yeah. Loki released a B, a B side album with that called uh, that as well. It's a really good, that's a good, I think it's a great concept. Yeah, I think I, I, do, I do get it. It's you, just like, just because it, it's quite it's quite difficult to sometimes just go, sorry, I liked, I liked you. I liked you as a line, or I liked, you, I liked what you were about, but I need to delete you. Yeah. Like, I, I wrote this, and it's the Mickey Nine song Planet. Uh, there's a riff in it like right, and uh, I was quite proud of it because it has like weird chords in it and I don't know any weird chords but I just thought this is weird so it must be good it must be like special that good guitar players would be able to do this so I was dead happy with it but then it, it went on to an even weirder bit with like weirder chords and I was like was so chuffed that I'd managed to come up with these weird chords and they went to the studio and the guy uh, Ross, Ross Hamilton at Rocket Science who's a total legend he was just like Oh, I really, I really like that. I really like that. Um, just delete the second half of it. You know the bit with the weird chords, and I was like, "Nah, oh, man, those weird chords took me like hours to come up with." And he's like, "But it's not as good as the first part. If you just do the part, first part and repeat, it sounds amazing." And I was like, "Nah, nah." He's like, "Trust me, man." Trust me. <laughs> and he was, he was totally right. Just that you get that sort of weird attachment to something. Yeah, I, th- I think. Well, obviously, I don't know what the weird chords were like, but I know the song "Planet," and it's. There's a there's a there's a beautiful yeah I think if you could overcomplicate that you would have lost its simplicity and its beauty exactly yeah so yeah um so basically 
I'll drop me a wee outline of the books, what they're about yeah, and all that. Yeah, if people are interested, because I definitely, my plan is if I can't get somebody to publish it, I'm going to self-publish. And so I'll be back on this. Yeah, <laughs> I, that and all that. So I mean, self-publishing these days is pretty straightforward, don't it? If, you, yeah. if you're just, if you're just going to go for the, the online thing. And I think you can actually do a pretty decent job of it. Um, people have been pretty monetarily, is that the right word? Money-wise, successful. They've actually made some money from it, basically. Yeah. Um, and some people have ended up using it to kickstart like the rest of their, their writing. Well, that's it. If you've got people, you could get it. If you're getting onto people's Kindles and people are enjoying it, then you can do a crowdfunder to get exactly. prints, prints done. Exactly. Books done. Books. <laughs> prints. Books. They're called books. Is that right? They call them books. <laughs> Yeah, it's like a, there's like lots of different bits of paper and they're all attached. Ah, yes, I think I know. I think I've seen one of them before in growing up. Yes. Um, so what's the books so, about? So they're a bit. What they're a bit. Uh, so basically, the play is about the Yes movement. Yeah. And it's that's a bit of a, kind of like a musical with local Scottish music in it. And I've asked permission from everybody. So it's got a Jairo Baby song in it. It's got a Colonel Master song, a Mickey Nine song, uh, um, a couple of Mog songs. Um, and because the main character is like a rapper. And it's kind of like his journey. He's like, he's, the main character is like a guy who's completely out of touch with society. He's, you know, a bit depressed, he's a bit of a loose end, blah, blah, blah. And then he, but he's very, ta- he's got his talent, but he doesn't think he's got a talent because he never lets anybody hear his, his writing. And then uh, he gets in, involved via a girl who's very inspiring, who, who's in the, into the Yes movement. And because there's this sense of new beginnings and community and something happening, a movement, it sort of allows him to sort of have a rebirth. It's a basic idea. Yeah. So is it, is um, it that, I mean, there might be wait, rumours of an, a second referendum being called very soon. Yep. Maybe this is the time to get it out there. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd written it how many How many characters would you need, how many people would you need to cast to do this? Probably about ten. Um, if I was to do, it, if I was to, you could. I've actually got had a new idea recently because I think, stop having the new ideas. Yeah, I know. This, this is, is bloody, this is my, my bloody creatives. I know, but I was thinking. I, I wonder if I could cut it down um, because it's essentially a full, full length play right now with, yeah. with with a band on stage playing the music and the characters are singing their songs. But whenever they sing a song, it's not like a musical where they're like, and then we'll burst into song when we're in the. You, you know, in the shop or whatever, they just they're actually playing gigs in the story. So it's yeah. like, oh, I've got a gig now, and they go on stage and they play their song, or they're in the studio and they're like doing it. So it's kind of live in the, in the story, if that makes sense. Like, like if an, if you're watching a TV show and somebody puts on the radio and the music comes on, that idea. So yeah, um, so it's kind of complicated and uh, not that complicated, but complicated enough that you you couldn't just get a trip of like three actors and just put it on like a play in the pie in the pint or something like that. So I'm thinking if I can cut it down to maybe three actors or four. Yeah. Uh and then maybe down to an hour or four, even forty five minutes and have a, two versions of it, then I might be able to actually get it on the road or like get it on the stage. And then once it's on the stage we can think about doing well, it. Well if, if you if you do it if you if you take it take it down at the strip it down bare then it does well then you can always build it back exactly. up again. And I thought it might work at the fringe or something. Um, I was a wee bit worried it would lose relevance, but Scottish independence ain't going away. So it's not going to lose relevance, which I'm pretty happy with. No, I don't think it's ever going to be. No, it's going to happen eventually. Uh, uh, well, there's going to be a vote. It's going to happen soon. I don't think the vote soon is actually a good idea, even though I want I don't, it. I don't think, it, I, don't think it, I think what people are forgetting no. as well is that just having even winning by 1% is not going to 
Yeah, it's, it's the people, the other people that lose don't. As you can see, what's happening with the main exactly. is like exactly nobody ever just like they don't just say, "Oh, you're wrong." <laughs> the majority of the people are exactly. wrong. There was a poll today that it's fifty-fifty yep. for the yes and no now, or uh, what do you call it? Yes and remain or whatever it is. But um, yes and better together, and um, fifty-fifty. That's obviously better than fifty-five, forty-five. But I want, I want seventy. I want, I want seventy percent of Scotland. Thirty percent of people 50, can be, can 50, be stupid, right? Whatever, just, they, whatever they want, but seventy percent is what I think. They want. I don't think it's fifty percent. It's just definitely not enough to go in yet. Oh, it just takes a few scare stories and boom. Exactly. And uh, there's and plenty of scare stories to go as well because basically everything that everyone's been saying about Brexit, you can just flip the table. There's a conspiracy theory for you. Yep. The whole Brexit thing was designed to stop Scottish independence because it's the opposite argument. Not. It's basically you can call the other person hypocrites quite easily by saying, "Oh, okay, how come that?" Applies to independence, but not EU. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I mean, but that's so what you're saying about Brexit. Though it's how it's badly divided. The UK, I mean, the UK has always been divided, but it's worse now, and it's become like I think you were saying recently. It's kind of like a religion. Like yep. it's just doesn't matter what it is, but it's Brexit. We have Brexit means Brexit. Let's get it done. Yeah. Shut up and get it done. Yeah. But obviously nobody yeah. knows what that definition of a Brexit is. But I want I want Scottish independence to be the vast majority of the country, so like seventy percent are on board and believe in it. And then once you get it, it's worth it. Otherwise you're gonna have a really divided country. Um if it's something that we believe that is right, then we should believe that most people I, I think you're never gonna get everybody. Um that's just the way things are. That's fine. That's that's democracy. But if something is right, and if if it's truly right to do, then that argument eventually will win. And that's why aiming for seventy, let's say two thirds, is sixty six or whatever, or sixty six point six is maybe going to curse it for <laughs> two thirds, the number of the beast. But um, you base a country on the number of the beast. Six 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 land was changing on air as well. <laughs> But if, you, if we look at the, I mean, they're going to, they're going to, the argument, they, they'll just say, oh, look at the mess that Brexit was for negotiating, so it'll be the same for that. You know, the, you know, I, just, I could just see the, the scaremongering. Yeah. The, like I said, I think it is too soon. Yeah. It's too soon. And obviously, is there going to be a Brexit on 31st October? Probably I don't not. know. I mean, I really, it's, it's really. Do you think the Prime Minister is, is betting against the British pound? Well, I th- see, allegedly, like, allegedly. You know how we don't really know what's going to happen, and it's probably going to. Well, be nobody bad. knows what's going on. Nobody like, knows what's going on in general. Just on a, on a personal level, uh, my wife's Italian, like like proper Italian. Like her parents are Italian. She grew up in Italy. She came here for uni, and it's that weird thought. It's like you don't know what's going to happen. My wife could get deported. <laughs> Does that mean like, you need to go and live in Italy? Oh, it's a shame, isn't it? But then you won't get to Italy either because they've got the far right and they won't want me in. Oh, right, I mean, right. that's not gonna. That's like a worst. Like that's a crazy worst case scenario. But I mean, worse things have happened in Europe. You know. What I mean? Yeah, no. I mean, I, I, so. I accept that as well. It's like that. Lots of my friends that are in their EU nationals. It's just a horrible thing to have in your. To think about, you know, what I mean, you're trying, yeah. you're trying to sort of just relax and enjoy your life. Yeah. And plan your career and build well, relationships. Well, you apply for a job and you're like. Oh, well, I actually don't know if I'm going to be allowed to be here. And I know, I know a couple years. of folk that have just left. They just, they just went, I can't be asked with this many. I know. I think we, we're going to lose so many good people as well. If like how much talented immigrants bring to the country, people who are like want to come here and 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 
you know, make a good life and express their talents or do whatever they can't do in their own country. And they want going to come here and make our country better. It's like brilliant. And it's like, you're just going to lose all these people. I think that's, that's one of the worst things about the stupid immigration arguments, you know. Beans. It's like a total selfish thing. It doesn't matter where the immigrants are good for me. We're going to go, we've got big beans. I know, the food that... So apart, apart from the financial bubble, what we really got here? Do you know, baked beans are actually American. Oh, God. We've got nothing. Well, we're at least in Scotland, we've got whiskey. At least we can get pissed. We're not all... Whiskey is about it. I don't even like whiskey. So I'll learn to love it, though. <laughs> I'll need to. I actually love whiskey, so I'll be all right. What about the housing bubble? Can we still have houses that are... A worth made out of bubbles, made out of bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but I okay, so it's yeah, enough politics, enough politics. God, man, so I'm just been. I, I, I've got some. I always, I always do a wee bit of satire in these shows as well, and then, yeah, yeah. and then people think I've got strong opinions. I don't have any strong opinions. I just like, I, I like, I like slagging the, the disaster that it is sometimes to, to try and fucking cheer myself up because it's depressing stuff. I know, I think I, last maybe I, I, I would just say. I've actually just tried to tune out so much yep. in recent years since Trump. That's what we talked about last week to Steve Mason. He's, he's the same. I think I had to do after I need the characters because doing topical satire all the time I was yeah. consuming. In order to get yeah. the full story, you've got to watch four different news channels to yeah. figure out what's going on. And it's too much. It can be too much. So it's now I just do a wee bit of slagging, but I don't support any one political party because they're, you know, I just... Like, for example, there was that, the Lord, <laughs> you know, the provost, Lord Provost, he got caught spent buying 23 pairs of shoes yeah and there's thousands of pounds manicures and, or something like that yeah manicures stuff like that painting her nails but she was SMP so we don't slag her because she's a good one <laughs> <laughs> I find that quite I find that quite funny just like just how if that was a Tory everyone that was defending her would be like oh, bloody Tories it's like no we only slag expenses when it's a Tory or a liber yeah. So I said, this is what I hate about political parties. I think, let's, let's, let's bam her up. Well, she, spent for, she spent six grand in painting her nails and knickers and shoes. You know what I mean? Let's bam her up as well. It's not as much as spent 125 grand on your mistress to go around Europe. 250 grand. Was 250. Boris spent it on his mistress. But he just managed to get away with that one because he, he did so much stuff in three days. That's the Trump tactic. It's really Aye. interesting. That's, that's the most fascinating development. Of recent times is the the way that politicians are that the the ones who have cottoned on to it, I suppose the kind of demagogue types have sort of that I mean I hate I hate all these stupid phrases but like the post truth and all that shit <laughs> but it's like there is and it ties into a lot of the stuff that looks in the Adam Carter's documentaries hyper normalization like okay you you like you lie all the time like there was a, th- a thing recently that Donald Trump you know however many public statements he makes in a day I don't know how many it would be. But um, he's averaged more than 10 public proper lies every single day. They can be fact-checked. Like fact-checked ones. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, so it's just like, if you just it's that kind of Goebbels idea, uh, the Nazi propagandists, like, um, just tell a lie and tell it big and keep on repeating it and people will start to believe. Or even if they don't believe, they'll forget what the truth was. Yeah. And so there's enough muddied water that it's sort of, ah, nobody really knows. They're, they're, all, they're all bad. They're all lie. It's, it's interesting. You know, I think that I think the reason that this is a recent development is because I think people thought you're not going to get away with that in the the days of television cameras. So I think all the politicians kind of rather than telling lies, what they were good that was hiding the truth by 
using. But that's changed. Oh, well, that's it. That has changed because because like people, you can't you can't lie. You're caught on camera saying one thing and then do the opposite. But you can, and that's it's what Trump's done, and that's what Boris has kind of jumped on as well. So like, you can actually just lie because the public love their fans want them. You know, there's people out there that just. They just love Boris, and they know he's a liar. They'll actually say on phone-ins and stuff, they like, oh, I know, he yeah, we know he's a liar, mm -hmm. but he's going to get Brexit done. Yeah, they, and he wouldn't lie to me. He wouldn't yeah, exactly. lie to me. He lie to everyone else. They say that Putin, I don't, I think it might have been in the hyper-normalisation hyper documentary, Adam Curtis thing. I think you can see it on BBC iPlayer. Um, Putin started this, or at least he's been credited with this idea, that what he did was he funded um, uh, opposition groups. So he put he had his people put money into far right and far left, and and therefore muddied the water so much that you didn't really know what was a genuine opinion, what was what was like a plant, what was a troll. Um, and he's done that in our elections and in our um, social media comments and I've stuff seen like the, that. The you social know? media one where the woman throws bleach over the man's yeah, crotch. Fake, yeah. For him, yeah. because it was man spreading, but yeah. apparently that turned out to be just fake Russian, fake Russian stuff. Yeah. And it's like, but it did really well because everyone just argues about, you know, there was, you know, obviously the the the, the extreme men, misogynist type men group people. Whatever they call it. So it was what's the right name for mm, the guys? Incels or no? male rights? No, I don't think they called I don't think male rights activists. Male rights act. Them are eh? That's it. That's it. Them are eh? So <laughs> the guys are like, oh my god, we can't even spread our legs in the gym without people bleaching our boys. You know what I mean? And then, <laughs> and then, and then you've got the extreme, extreme feminists. I'm talking way extreme. The extremists or whatever. Well, they they get him. Uh, feminazis. Oh God, no, that's no, that's a terrible term. That that that. Oh God, I'm just basing it on. Like, no, no, I don't think. I don't think. I don't, I don't, call, I don't call that. Jake, they're walking about self-proclaimed. Oh, no, self-proclaimed. <laughs> self-proclaimed. Sorry. I don't, yeah, know but, I don't know. Extreme. They're probably just called call themselves feminists, but they're yeah. extreme feminists. So they're they're actually like, well, you know what I mean. We've been put up with man spreading <laughs> for centuries, so we will bleach our boys <laughs> about that. we 
that's the, 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 these yeah, to these two extreme groups, and then they they take up all the public discourse. Yeah. The, 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 and everyone in the middle is like, oh god, I don't want to fucking get in the middle of that. Yeah, because internet just loves extremes because it sort of attracts clicks, you know. Yeah. Um, and the internet, the algorithm that runs the internet, all the different ones, um, they're basically essentially based on clicks. It's just if you click on something, then that AI thinks this unit, which is you, <laughs> likes that thing or is attracted this to that. Unit. Is attracted to that. Yeah. So we give them more of that. Yeah. And then, but we, it comes with ads the next time. And so you click on one extreme thing, which you're you're bound to do because you're human and it's interesting. And then suddenly everything becomes extreme because the algorithm is deliberately filtering that towards you. Not because it's like malicious, it's, it's completely blind. All, but it just knows that you click on that. But it's a capitalist thing. algorithm. Yeah, it's capitalist. If it keeps in your wee rabbit hole, especially if you're going to eat. Well, it's just, it's designed to just sell you stuff. It's yeah. sell you adverts. It's, um, it's, it's going to just, and, it's, and if you, that's why if you take click one right wing video, the algorithm is just going to keep you feeding you more right wing stuff. Yeah. I mean, all I see is like, environmentalism and all that and I I would just you'd think that everybody cares about that <laughs> but nobody fucking cares about that <laughs> well actually there's well, been a few rebellions and stuff recently, there is, there is. but you know in terms of it's still a very unpopular thing well, think, let's well, not destroy the planet well, this is, this, <gasps> well I think this is why people are getting so you know? angry because they're in their little bubbles they're, they're connected to people that are also in the same bubble so when someone comes from another with an opposing point of view it's like has this person been have you been on the internet recently, mate? That's nobody yeah. saying what you think. Exactly. Because they're, they're coming from a different part of the, the bubbly house. Totally. I mean, I've got this uh, T-shirt on right now, which I'm sure you're admiring, which has got lots of whales on it, right? Yeah. Different whales. And I'm, I was dead happy with it. And I, I don't normally buy much, <laughs> especially not off the, like just randomly off the internet, but on Facebook, this whale T-shirt advert came up for me. Yeah. I must have shared a video about whales or something, like jumping out of the water or something. And I was like, that's actually quite cool. So for, for once, I'm going to click on it and I'm going to get it. So I bought the T-shirt. But now all I get every day is whale T-shirts. Yeah. Everything I go on, every website thinks that I love whale T-shirts. <laughs> and they'd be right. I'm up to my neck in whale T-shirts. Have you bought literally. a second whale T-shirt yet? <laughs> uh, I've been very tempted to. Yeah. Uh, but... You know, it's funny because because it's the only well, thing I've got. Well, you've, 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 you're, it's called Killer Whale. Oh, it's well. Killer Whale, yeah. And I think uh, maybe it was something to do with that because I was maybe researching stuff for Killer Whale, like in terms of like logos and stuff. But um, the it's funny because I don't click on a lot. I click on one thing, and it sort of thinks the algorithm thinks that's that's me, like that's the end to me, like that's the access point to this this guy is whales, <laughs> whale t-shirts, and he's right. It would, it would be right. I mean, I do like whales. Um, but you know, you can see how you, you could, how that that's going to form a sort of uh, a sort of cocoon, like an internet cocoon. The more you click on the the, the algorithms, understand. I want to, I want to see color wheel hoodies. I want to see color wheel. Yeah. Just feed into the algorithm. Yeah, I know. Feed well, it what it wants. Get get treat yourself. <laughs> do some more. Wheel. Just go on a wee, go on a wee, take it. Maybe come back when you've got a book to promote and go on a wee adventure now and buy as many. Whale t-shirts you can and tell us how that affects your, yeah. your algorithm. Do you know what I was just thinking there, actually? How... If the internet offers you a cookie, take a cookie. Here's, here's something that they do, right, that most people don't know. I think, at least I don't know if they don't know this, but I was un, I was very shocked by this because I think people have a very, an understanding of how the advertising kind of thing works. If you click on something, you see more of that. But 
there's a thing that you're more likely to buy something if you're in a bad mood. Yeah. Right? Because it gives you a wee dopamine boost, makes you feel better about yourself. Um, Retail what, therapy. You know, while you buy it, but then immediately afterwards you don't feel good anymore. So it's just like any kind of basic dopamine hit from any type of drug. Um, so essentially the, the advertising that people who are paying for the algorithm, who are the, the companies, the big corporations who want to sell things, um, they they can manipulate your uh, your feed, like your your wall or whatever it's called. You know the stuff that you see on social media. News feed. Um, so they're not going to like necessarily change what you see, but they'll filter what you see. So they can filter out good stuff. So you're going to see a lot more bad stuff, and then they'll show you a bunch of bad stuff, like kid gets killed somewhere, murder, rape, abandoned the cards, and then it's like, oh, whale t-shirt. And you're like, oh, I need a wheel t-shirt to cheer me up. And you'll buy it. So you can see how like this is like directly getting into our brains and actually altering our moods deliberately through and AI. Also, I mean, that is so messed up. If you go on Facebook, you'll see lots of happy stories. Yep. And if you want that to continue, then buy, click a link, because then they'll keep doing that. Because obviously some people, because mm. it's, it's true that a lot of people do buy things when they feel down to make themselves feel better. But a lot of other people will buy stuff when they're in a good mood. It's just like, I'm probably the guy that would... If you, you know, like call centers, for example, phone someone who's having a good day, they may just buy. Yeah. But phone someone who's having a bad day, good luck with that. Yeah, yeah. Boy. Exactly. So, I mean, get off the, my phone. The, again, the algorithm. Uh, get a real job. It's blind and can figure that out, can figure out what type of person you are by what kind of things you react to. And the more you use it, the more you get addicted and the more it understands you to become, to make itself more addictive. None of the guys in the Silicon Valley, like who designed this stuff, allow their kids. Uh, to, to use social media and they don't have it themselves sure some of them will I mean some of them do but the guy uh, Jared Jared Lanier I, I can't remember how to pronounce his name he's a big massive guy with big uh, dreads he was one of the founding fathers of this kind of stuff and you, if you look at his videos Jaron Lanier or Jared Lanier or something like that um, he he's that's what he says like he all the guys he knows in Silicon Valley don't, they, don't, they don't allow their kids near this stuff so, I mean, if that's not uh, the most damning indictment of it, then I don't know what is. Well, I, mean, I, I still use it every day, because it's yeah. brilliant. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> well, I, I was talking about just maybe just thinking I had a week off it, and it was good. So I'd just like someone to come on a show once a week and tell me what's been happening on the internet. Just a wee thing called, like, what's been happening on the internet? Yeah. I thought about a segment called, what's been happening on the internet? And someone just comes on and tells me. Just so I'm not missing out on anything important. Well, do you know what I found? I went off it for a bit when I was on holiday. And now you can get good internet signal on holiday, so probably still be addicted to it there. But like, um, you go off Facebook for a week or two weeks, come back on it, and then it's got your notifications, and it's like 280 notifications or something. And then you're like, oh, yes. Get, get scroll through these when I'm doing a shite. And then, so you're looking through them all, and not a single one of them, maybe, maybe one, uh, is in any way relevant to you or really matters. It's just the, the computer's just, all, just all crap. The machine's just throwing things. It's like, where is this guy? It's just, it's just David he's Blair. Just keep, he needs more notifications. It's just all David Blair. Me, <laughs> <laughs> David Blair, joke. David Blair. <laughs> he's one of the greatest promoters of all time, yeah. so respect. Shouts to David Blair. Shouts to David Blair. <laughs> and so, the you, you mentioned earlier on in your play, enough, in fact, no, sorry, actually, one final thing in the politics thing is because what's been happening on the internet this week is I seen today that SNP has went fully legal uh, for the decriminalisation of drugs. Yep. 
Yeah, um, is that, that is that sure. a, a good move? I think it's uh, it's insane that it's taken so long. Um, it's a brave move, though, isn't it? I'm all I, I totally agree with, it, but I mean, I think this is maybe the one. That's a tip, that's a tipping point, kind of something radical with that because, well, the papers are going to have a field. Day. I think the media are going to be. The only thing I wasn't sure, just a wee detail, did they really mean all drugs? Yeah, I think it's a decriminalisation of, of drugs, drugs, aye. Including, like, cocaine and... Everything, aye. Yeah, okay. Well, I, think it's, it's I mean, not, I still think it's a good idea, but I was just wondering how... What it's de- oh, decriminalising it. Sorry, so it's not legalising, it's decriminalising, so it just means that it's, it's taking, away the, taking away the criminal record. For possession. For possession, aye. I'm yeah. sure he'll still get done for. Yeah, of course. And I think, well, obviously, from that, then there will be, I'm sure, ways to purchase it legally. All, all drugs, eventually, I'm sure. I'm sure that's what the, the way they're going down, but... I think decriminalisation is just, it shouldn't be controversial, it should be, it's just a good idea. So, but I, I can mean, just see now that the media's going to be like, I think they'll start using slurs like dopey, Nicola, you know, try and make it, you know, feed into the, the heroin stereotypes and make it whatever an SMP's on the smack. See, I think if that was, if, if because that's a devolved issue, meaning that the Scottish Parliament can actually do it. I don't think it is. It's not? No. I was just assuming it was because they did So I think that's why he said it. It's also, no. In that case, it's not happening. It's not going to happen, no, but it's just basically saying, well, if we get independence, we can do it. Ah, right. We will do it. Okay, sorry. I thought it was involved. So it's a good wee call to arms, like... Because I was going to say, if that was an independent Scotland or a devolved issue, it wouldn't be a huge big deal because I think people in Scotland generally would would support that. Um, But as soon as you get the the British Daily Mail on something like that, which is the most read paper in Britain, uh, you know, you're going to red get, as in red, not as red as in color. It's the, the least red and most red. red. <laughs> um, exactly. So that's because they're good at the kick, they're good, they're brilliant at the clickbait articles. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, that's why their website that's is the internet's not affected. I think their all. website is the most news yeah. website as well. All around uh, the world of the clicks and all the they invested all the, in it. All they, the they, on they, it. They, they went for internet. They knew the power of internet straight away. Yeah, I mean. So I think, in terms of just polit- I mean, politically, or just as something that should be done, it's like a total no-brainer. Um, it's the first way to actually start to tackle it as a problem um, and take it seriously. Because if you're just blaming it on... Someone the, getting caught with a joint when they're 16, or, yeah, just, and then they, they just rogues them out of hundreds of jobs forever. Yeah. I mean, I was in, doing jury duty once, and this guy came in, and he was just a poor resold. soul you know what I mean? And he was like probably about maybe in his 60s or something. And he had was literally getting done for having a wee bit of hash on him, and getting proper in court for it. Not, not even at like the slap in the wrist fine or even the basic stuff. Proper in front of a judge, and you know it was a tiny bit of hash, like worth about ten quid or something, even less maybe. And they were like, "Yeah, yeah, um, he's guilty, whatever." Um, so we've got, we're going to give you a fine, and I can't remember exactly what the fine was, but it was let's let's say it was two hundred quid. And then, so his lawyer was like, yeah, he can't afford this. Um, you know, he's on disability benefits. Uh, he's already, like, in debt, all this kind of stuff. And they were like, okay, then he can pay back a pound um, every month for the next, like, 15 years. And it's just like, what the <laughs> fuck is the point in this? <laughs> wait, 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 wait. If he's on the dole as well, depending on this was, he might actually have to deliver that pound himself. No, I know, I was thinking about that. Because it's not like a direct Turn debit. up to the police station and fucking put it in an envelope well, if, and all you know, that. It depends on where, where he was at, when you know this I mean, was. Whatever it was. But gyro, but, you know, if it was an, an old school gyro, you're getting the cash, you have to fucking, you have to take that pound in yourself. Fuck, imagine that, man. For 15 years. And imagine how much money it would cost to get the bastard to take the pound. <laughs> oh, man. It's so depressing. Everything about it, everything about it. And it's just, 
uh, the, one thing I noticed from being there was that the lawyers and the judge knew this was total bullshit. But they have it is literally obviously it's their job. It's the law. It yeah. is illegal. So their hands are completely tied. It is illegal, and he broke the law, and it went to that. It already got reached that stage where it became their problem. So the police had made it their problem, which they didn't have to do, and you know they had to find the guy because that's the law. Well, what was that's what made you the system is just so stupid. There's obviously the you know there's also people that are doing cannabis for medicinal purposes as well. And so, like, you know, well, I mean, I reckon that's what that guy was up to because he was obviously in disability benefits. And all that. Yeah. He was an old guy. Yeah. Kind of like he was out going to music festivals. And it's like, aye, so it's like, you know, Hendrix. you've got people of all ages, but I think it's, there's a special sympathy for people that are in their, the twilight of their years, you know, in their 60s yeah. and 70s, and they're just in pain. And but basically, they're, they're right, they get a criminal record if, or they get the threat of locked up I don't think they would actually probably lock up someone for that but no I think very unlikely they would probably lock you up for it but I think, I, mean, could. I think occasionally they do they do sometimes they do sometimes especially for classes yeah but again it's still up to <laughs> well, no, no one's, no one's, has anyone tried the co- medicinal cocaine excuse mm. I just got, <laughs> I just said that sorry I've got, sorry I've got a five gram on me I've got I've got, I've got I've got bad knees I've got a really <laughs> really slow heart <laughs> The way to play this politically is lefty people are kind of like think this is a good idea. So you got to convince the right wing people generally, and they're people who you know it always lots of things come down to money and costs and that kind of thing. And I think if you just argue this would be amazing for the economy, like even if it became all corporate, which it would. Definitely. I mean, that's the decriminalisation. I'm talking about legalisation. Um, well, it's legal- the same. Well, I think we're. I think we're. I think we're agreed that decriminalisation opens the path to legalisation. Yeah. I think the legalisation of all drugs is actually quite dangerous because I mean, some drugs are, are terrible. Yeah. Um. I mean, obviously, uh, look at like the opioid crisis in America. Star, star, I can see Starbucks getting in the cocaine market. Like yeah, a wee extra think, shot. I mean, I think cocaine a little coca. Is a, very, a coca, a coca mocha. I think cocaine, especially due to the, the drugs trade. Uh, cocaine is fucked up beyond belief and it's not good for you um in any way but but still like it's like if you just start with cannabis like most people agree that you could legalize that and you could make a lot of money off it you could tax it they're still not properly taxing it in, in the states because it's weird they've got these loopholes you've got these entrepreneurs that would the market so the right wing argument surely is like you can make money from this i think trust the market it's, it's trust risk, the market it's risky though because imagine you start to Legalize cocaine, right? Literally. I mean, you can't imagine that happening. But imagine this really fucking addictive product that everybody fucking loves. Yeah, it'd be so easy to to really get people hooked on that. Uh, well, I, th- well, I think. Well, I think the point is, is though, that it's it's about making it much it's, society. It's making it, and it's about educating people. So it's using that money for education, and it'd be safer. So it's like right. I think the Portugal model, what they're doing yeah. is, is that you can you can purchase cocaine that's actual cocaine. It's reasonably pure. Can you? Yeah, I think you can purchase it. Yeah, I don't know. I thought they demo- decriminalised stuff, but I didn't realise you could actually. All right, buy no, it. maybe maybe you can actually. No, I don't know enough. I don't know. Actually, I don't know enough about it either. But um, but the general sorry the, the idea I'm getting at it's it's, it's, it's actually maybe not post I'm thinking about is um, it's a country a Scandinavian country anyway. I'll, I'll get the facts. I'll get the facts and put a link in um, for the info. But yeah, there's places that have that they, they, they had so many like heroin deaths or whatever that they, they'll, they'll, they'll do they'll give people heroin. That's Portugal. And there's another, there's another place, there's another place that's a fuck. Anyway, say for example, the heroin thing seems to be more common where they'll give people heroin 
in a safe environment. And then, but also, as a result, in order for them to get their free heroin, they've also got to talk to people about their choices and jobs. And also, they've got to, people have they've got to do work as well. And eventually, people do come off it. Isn't that, is that not a bit like methadone, though? It's, um, that's what I wonder, because like that has, it's not that effective, is it? Methadone, I mean, but I don't I, think, I, I, it seems methadone, to be methadone, something, there's no, there's no, there's somewhat, no, there's I, something, but it's, it's not the, it's not a panacea. But I, I definitely think getting people off the streets and undercutting the dealers, uh, is, and getting people to start to talk about it and get them in a community setting is extremely important when it comes to, uh, extre- like, extreme, extreme drugs. It was showing you know. the people the difference between the, the drugs, so it's like, if there, if there is a cannabis shop, person. they're selling cannabis stuff, they're not going to go in there and people are going to be taking coke. It's going to be very much a cannabis place mm. rather than sort of be cutting out that. But I, I don't see it becoming like a total cap, capitalist playground where you've got the cocaine shop next to McDonald's. I think I can see that. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that, I think that'd be bad, <laughs> but I can definitely see that's the way it would go because that's where everything goes. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, it'd be kind of like, you know, like Brave New but World. But once again, once again, would, it, it, would that be worse than buying stuff that you don't know what it is no, dodgy dealers I still think it's probably better I still think decriminalisation is, is less controversial than legalisation okay, yeah well I mean we're not, we're not talking about cannabis legalisation yeah obviously uh, it's, it's a completely harmless drug generally it's maybe not brilliant for your mental health if you abuse it like pretty much everything on earth if you abuse it it's bad for you but generally it's, it's really not that bad for you it's probably good for some people um, and it but yeah, but not talking about the time, but the more serious and difficult and hard drugs, eh? Um, which are bad for you, even if you take them a wee bit. But you shouldn't have to go to jail just because. No, you've but taken you, it. of course you shouldn't go to jail for it. So that's why I'm saying there's a slight difference in legalization and decriminalization. Like, why is criminalization? So there's a, oh, there's a guy on the ground. He seems like he's in pain. Let's kick him in the head. That'll make him better. That's to me what. Totally, totally. And it's also how it's. I mean, there's so many elements to it. how it creates this huge criminal world I mean almost all serious criminality is related to drugs and if it's um, sorry well, actually I'm, I'm, I'm more talking about legalisation again but yeah with decriminalisation um, you're, you're victimising people who are, who are vulnerable usually obviously some people who can maybe are not abusing drugs or just taking them like I think there's a difference um, they can be criminalised for something that they're, they're really in control of they're not hurting anybody so you know it's either you're you're really hurting somebody who's a victim like kicking somebody when they're down like you say or you're hurting somebody who is really not a criminal they're not doing anything that's that bad they're just trying to enjoy a techno rave um, and the only way to do that my friends <laughs> <laughs> I'm only joking I love techno but you know what I mean so yeah I think I think it would just save so much time and money as well and effort uh, it'd just be such a, a, a no brainer uh, I'd also help yeah, the catch are real criminals good catch are real criminals
my men. I was built for the grasslands, built for the jungle. Now I'm living in a cubicle, living in a cubicle. I was built for the grasslands, built for the jungle. Now I'm living in a cubicle, living in a cubicle. Right with men. Yeah, exactly. Aye. That's enough politics. I see, yeah. Back to the play. Back to the play. <laughs> yeah. You said, you mentioned Mog. Yep. So, I think you said that you taught Mog in school. No. I no. taught him personally. No, no, no. I, no. <laughs> I mean, um, you've shared his... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um... I think Mog, I think Mog will get taught, his his poetry will get taught, or it, it was raps, it's hip-hop, but it is poetry to me. Yeah. It'll get taught, I think... I think it will live us, maybe. Because I think it's what he's got is a a specific Glasgow dialect. Yep. Now there's 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 lot there's lots of other writers out there that are that are up there with Mog for me, but they, they all bend words. Like we all we'll use a Scottish slang word if it suits the rhyme or we'll switch it to an English or an Americanism. But what Mog does is he's he's so strict he's, he wouldn't say anything that he would never say anything that's in real right. life. Yeah, yeah, I've noticed that. And that's you know that to the, to the detriment of songs sometimes. You know, like everyone else like Bang Dirty's all singing. I think it's not nice. Say for example, like, nothing yeah, but not nice, no and nice, he's yeah. just like nothing but no nice. And nothing but like, that's a really interesting example. This is like what I think is really interesting about language in terms of when it comes to music, especially like like you know rap versus poetry. Let's say it's like the way that you say it out loud is extremely important because it's the way that the words um, sort of meld with the other sounds and how it just sounds as a line so sometimes a line that's a really good lyric might not look very good written down but so he's saying like nothing but no nice right that has a just the way that sounds nothing but no nice and then and the no t and just all these different aspects of it just sounds really cool nothing but not nice that t Without getting too fucking technical about it, it really fucking ruins the vibe of it. Nothing but not. Yeah, rather not nothing, nice. Nothing but no. Nothing but no. Yeah. Nothing but, but no. no. Nice. Nothing but no. Nothing but no. Nice. Nothing but no. Nice. There's another line he says like, and I think it's and and wind up. Is it? I can't remember the exact line. That's so bad actually. It's like and they wind up deed for the smack the jag. See that smack the jag. Aye, that is some line. Deed for the smack the jag. The yep. smack the jag. See the, the way that comes across like smack the jag. Yeah. And there's there's an art to that. It's, there's a it's an instinct thing which Mog's got and great uh, hip hop guys and in, in general songwriters I think have got. It's like that instinct to just what sounds cool. And I think he's using as you said his uh, his his natural accent. Yeah, to create that, which means it's it's automatically completely original. Obviously, there's other people doing it as well. He was obviously one of the earlier guys um, as well, but I think has almost a natural ability of it. 
I've done debates, but sometimes we just do like either you just big up something that you love just for fun, right. or you're um, you're doing. So like the two people are battling over what's the best thing. Yeah, um, so you do it that way. Um, I do like a freestyle round as well, which is quite fun, where it's like you, everybody has to come up with rhymes like couplets, and then yeah. they they shout out the first line, and then, and then they've got to come up with something. It doesn't have to be what they had down, like the original, mm. like the. If somebody in the in the in the crowd had written something, you don't have to match what they said, but you just have to do it. Uh, it's like it's, it's something that's that, that it always goes down so well. Kids love doing it, um, well, and well, it's a way because kids hate standing up and talking yeah. in front of obviously, like as you, you remember being a teenager. But it's weird they actually like doing that. You think that would be more nerve wracking, but it's no, because, less. No, I get I get why it's not. If, if, if that stuff was about when I was just school, I would have I would have, I would have loved that. I would have been well. I was quite naturally good at English, but I was a bit of a class clown. Believe it or not. And uh, <laughs> so what I remember doing was I remember standing up in class and doing my English talk, but I would have an arrow and see it would be pointing to the teacher saying stuff. So every time I changed my, so every time I moved my sheet, it'd be pointing at the. And so what I was doing is I was doing an actual, a, a proper spoken talking thing with the teachers going, "Good on you," but I was also slagging her with the with the yeah, arrows pointing to her, or I was so just saying funny. daft stuff. So the crowd were I was getting the laughs for the people. Because basically, you don't want to be a swat when you're. It, you know, you don't want to be the SWAT. So I was just trying try to make people laugh. Yeah. But also, I was trying to pass as well because I think I was in um, I was in shaky territory um, with my general behaviour. So I was like, that was a way... But if it, I would love the idea of doing... I would have been good at, at battle rapping or or coming up with poems. Because poetry to us... I mean, the idea of poetry was like... It still feels weird when people say that, you know, I'm a poet or I'm, I do a poetry night. It's like... Poetry just was just something for other people. It wasn't, you know, Shakespeare. I mean, I, I, I still haven't figured that Shakespeare. I've not actually tried to read Shakespeare, but as a child trying to read that stuff. I just... think it can be very alienating. Even though I actually do uh, love Shakespeare, um, I hated it at school. Yeah. And I did English literature at uni. And then uh, I kind of got into it in second year. I, I don't know what, I think the key for me was starting to understand the Elizabethan language. <laughs> so that's a bit... it's not exactly an easy no, key no ever uh, you know the those and the the wherefores and all that kind of stuff you i'd probably give, he, a, I'd probably he, give it another shot when like, he was writing it he wasn't trying to write it in this weird posh thing why can't why can't he was just show, writing it the way people talk then show people why can't you show them just teach them mog teach them loki yeah so i, I even though i love shakespeare i've rarely taught it because i find it's very difficult i'm really worried about alienating kids i think some people We'll love it when you teach it, but then you really risk losing half the class. So I think that's not fair. I suppose it also um, depends on wh- wh- what kids. stage the class is at, what age they're at, yeah, and you know where they're at, where they're at yeah, them, yeah. themselves with their, their development. Yeah, because that will put people off definitely. Yeah, there's ways of doing it. Like you can really abridge it. If, I think if you abridge it a lot and you keep the good bits, um, I've done that with Macbeth because Macbeth's like actually just a pretty good murder story. Yeah. So if you just keep all the murdery stuff in it and cut out all the other talking. <laughs> Obviously, yeah, it's all we, talking. We, we went to see that on a school but, trip, and I just couldn't. Under, I just had no idea yeah. what was going on. No, you wouldn't be alone. I don't think. No, <laughs> it's. I think yeah. So, for me, I think my teaching. It's like my main thing is always everything starts with trying to make it relevant first. Why should they care about this? Whatever it is we're trying to learn, and then trying to prove it to them as we do it that it matters and it's worth knowing about. And it's kind of difficult to do with something like Shakespeare, which seems very old so, so when, you're, when you're bringing in so it's great but just so if you're bringing in something say like for it. example like i don't know so so if you're bringing in scottish or american or english rappers into the 
into the classroom, but that's not really part of what you're supposed to be teaching. So how does that work? Do you know what? It's kind of it depends on um, your have you, have you just department. Got, you've got a lot of boxes to tick and um, things. This, this good thing about teaching English in Scotland as opposed to England is that there is actually quite a lot of freedom. Yeah. Um, you've got boxes to tick, but the, those are kind of outcomes. So it's like you need your kids to be able to like write in a sentence with a full stop at the end or something like that. Whatever, right? But the way that you do that is up to you. Oh, right. So you could give them a worksheet with like a million full stops and just be like, just do that every single day. Or you could be like, I don't know. I mean, one thing I've like, just for, just a random example is I did like a conspiracy theory unit where we like made up our own, consp- we researched conspiracy theories, made up our own ones and then did like a, a tinfoil hat YouTube video. And did that you was, wear like, a tinfoil hat? Yeah, I brought tinfoil <laughs> in and all that. It was a what, was the, what was the best conspiracy theory? Um, there's a lot of good ones. The one just sticking it to me just the top of my head is that, uh, what was it again? The hollow earth theory. Although I'm not sure if this is actually slightly based on a real one. Hollow earth is, uh, yeah, that's, the, that's, that's flat earth except more exciting. Yeah, well, they, I had a feeling they maybe slightly plagiarised it, but there was one cool thing about it was that the earth is hollow, but it is, it's full with water. And then the water has, so it's like, it's, it's sort of weird. It's like hollow, then water, then hollow. And then the water has loads of sharks in it. And then, so you can't get through the water without getting eaten by shark. Like there's the sea, then there's like hollow, then there's more sea. And that's the shark, the really bad sharks. And then beyond that is like the elite Illuminati super people who, the way they can control the earth is because they can control these sharks so they can get through the water. And they have a much quicker travel time to any point in the earth because they can go straight through. <laughs> so like that was their massive advantage. Sharks. <laughs> it, was just, it, was, it was so bad. Oh, it was so fun. Shark in the water. I love stuff like that. Shark in the water. Is that your? Is that your most popular song? It's actually Psycho Control. Psycho Control. No, if you if you base it on Spotify and YouTube. But but if you are okay, Spotify, YouTube. Yeah, is that is how we base things these days, isn't it? What about crowd yeah. reaction? Is it still Psycho Control? I'd say probably probably Shark in the Water. I think Shark in the Water gets yeah. the pop. Gets the pop. Pe- people like to sing along and put their hands on their heads. Yeah. Um, yeah what's the what's the best gig you've ever played um, very difficult question very difficult question there was the recent ones what was the recent the garage was really good that was the most recent one genuinely was amazing we played I'm not, I'm not saying that's the best maybe Chinatown is, is the other one if you you know what I'm talking about if I say that Chinatown yeah. was insane yeah but, the sticker club but the recent garage one was kind of special it was a 10 year anniversary and, and I forgot how good the, the garage was a venue was because at first oh, I was like, "What the garage?" And then, but it was a total good shoot because yeah. we we've just got a lot of bad connotations with the nightclub. That's why I didn't want to do it. The nightclub is shite, but it's not for it's for it's for kids. Exactly. Ants was saying, "Oh, we could do the because I actually don't think there's that many good Glasgow's a great city for music. I don't think there's that many good venues. There's not. I mean, Barrowlands obviously, but Barrowlands is brilliant. I like, I like stereo for if it's a certain size, but you're not too big for stereo now. Yeah, and in the art school, there's a kind of medium size that's missing a wee bit, yeah. or like small to medium. But anyway, art, art school, with art school, be a good one. Art for school's these. not bad. Yeah, no, art school, I like the art but school. they've always had a lot of problems with the well, just fires. Yeah, I going think fire. that was maybe the problem why we didn't go there. I can't remember. But anyway, Anne said, "Oh, we'll do the garage." He 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 went to a gig there recently, and then I obviously I was just like. No, I, I went there as a kid to the Dandy Warhols, but I don't think I've been to one since. Yeah. So I, I just forgot about yeah. it. I think he was actually at that random. Yeah. But anyway, she um, passed me. She, the, the woman for Dandy Warhols passed me a joint. Really? In the crowd. Oh, cool. made my, that was my that claim cool. to fame. Still cool. to this day. That's cool. Um. So yeah, I didn't inhale, obviously, but of course you don't inhale. Nobody does. 
Um, <laughs> the what was I going to say? But yeah, so he, the, yeah, he, so the guy, and I was like, "No, nah, come on, the garage, obviously, it's the connotations, the connotations are terrible." <laughs> and he was like, "No, nah, trust me, it's good," and he was right. It so was right. play. But what was good about it was not so much the venue, which was good, but it was we did two sets. So we we opened up for ourselves, and then the, this band called uh, the Girl Thumbs, the Girl Babas or something, played on after the Gyro Babas. The Gyro Babas played yep. on after us. They were all right, but before them, there was the original support act, which was us. Yeah, supporting yourself, supporting ourselves in order to be able to play a bunch of songs, which we never get to play because they're they're just maybe not completely suited to a really raucous set. So stuff like if you know the band, stuff like the song Galactic Radio or Icarus. And maybe some of the older stuff, some random stuff that people who had been with the band from the very early years, we kind of wanted to do off our cap to them. So songs from that time that have completely disappeared or maybe not even recorded. And it was good for um, us because it means as a support act, we got to get all your fans. Yeah. Because they were all in early. That was, <laughs> that was genuinely a part of the idea, was trying to get people in early and create, create a buzz. Um, so we ended up playing for an hour and in total, like an hour and 45 minutes or maybe almost, yeah. So an hour and 45 minutes for a gig. I know for Bruce Springsteen that's nothing. That's nothing. But it's a lot for us. Like the biggest we'd play before was an hour. The so. Eagles. I went to see the Eagles with my dad. That was a bit. I think they were two and a half hours. But to be fair, they 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 go on and off stage. You know what? Like, I'm just gonna yeah. leave you. Mate. Also, they're not screaming at the top of their voice like me. Oh, no, they're, they're, they've got. They're just taking their time. They take it easy. Take it easy. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. Um. So. <laughs> So yeah, it was just for me that was really, to be honest, just typical of me. To be honest, I only really remember the most recent thing. What's the worst gig? <laughs> shite gig. Millions, millions. I like I like a good shite gig story. So wrapping up, so I'm trying to get all so the. I would say one of the worst. There've been so many, and we've played many gigs to just the sound sound guy and the bar staff. We used to have a joke about it, like are all of our fans like we, we only play to bar staff and sound guys but every time we play they love us so eventually we'll, we'll, we'll have a massive following of people who are bar staff and sound guys but um yeah it was it was like it was edinburgh uh art school union or whatever it is and basically it was a real it was about two in the afternoon we never played in edinburgh before there was all these bands on after so it brought a big crowd and some of them were quite well known like tango in the attic and it was really sunny and beautiful and there was this lovely patch of grass just outside the, the venue door uh, and also a glass window so you could see it and there were, everybody was just out on that smoking smoking weed and we just went on the stage to completely empty hall but right next to us is like 400 people on a hill who can't hear us because it's practically soundproof but we can see them and they're coming into the gig for the other bands and so we just played the gig to nobody but even though the whole crowd was literally there um, touching distance so yeah that was could have been the bad. greatest gig of your life if just now, something had happened it's very strange playing I mean I'm not exaggerating there was literally nobody so you're just so we just played and just enjoyed it <laughs> enjoyed <laughs> just thought it's a free, it's a free doesn't rehearsal. matter if it's a 400 people or no people it does yeah, it's it? a free rehearsal it does a wee bit. So, yeah, I just took it like a free rehearsal you just gotta go for it and uh, so what's uh, so what's coming up Cat House gig. So Cat House that again. gig, 16th of November. That'll be a biggie. Um, and, and that'll be the, the last chance to see quite a lot of stuff because we're going to ditch quite a lot of the older songs because we're going to be writing all these new songs and putting them in the set. Um, so basically writing all this new stuff is the next thing and it's dead. It's so really so you got, you're just going away until the album's ready and it's coming back with an album launch? Um, I'm not sure yet. I think we're going to 
part, because we're going to be recording a bunch of it in Ansys, uh, Ansys bedroom, because he's got a bunch of computer equipment now, and that's kind of all you need these days. Yeah, I've, I've done that. I've done that. Yeah, I know you've recorded with him. Square that. nine recordings. Square nine recordings. And he knows what he's, doing. he's good. He's self-taught, but he's really good. He's got a great ear. Yeah. So he. Um, so yeah, I, I was personally what I want to do is actually record, release, record, release. Um, I think that nowadays that's doable, but it's slightly it's slightly risky because then what if you don't have the quality control of leaving something for a bit of time? Yeah. Uh, but I just like the idea of just getting shit out. I kind of like the idea of writing a bunch of two-minute songs. Uh, I just I think that'd be so cool just to release a bunch of two-minute songs. Well, you did do that a wee bit. Yeah, you, recently a wee bit. You did do that a wee bit. Rang yeah. with me. What a tune that was. Yeah, rang with me. And that, so, tune you, you, that tune you asked me permission if you could call it Rang with me. Yeah, that's you right. thought I, I wrote it. Yeah, because the first song on the first Jack of Trades album, The Hills Have No Eyes. Yeah. I thought the first line of that was, was Rang with me. <laughs> Come into the forestry or whatever. Right. And so you asked and permission to do that. I was like, oh, what's wrong with me is a brilliant first line for an album. <laughs> and he was like, I don't, I don't think I did. He, he doesn't say it. And he doesn't actually even say it in the album. I don't think album. I say it at all. No. So um, it's always good to get like, the credit. I'll, I'll have that. And then I'll just give you a credit anyway because it Aye. was your dream idea or something. I don't know. Yeah. Something. And I was even telling people about that song. Uh, like genuinely I was like oh I see here Mark's new tune man it's fucking uh, it's living in the forest <laughs> that's not that's fucking not a line <laughs> although well, the forestry line is good though yeah that's a really good line I, li- I like the fact you said forestry rather than forest because well, it's a different thing isn't it it's, it's more scary thing. the forestry ooh, the forestry is much scarier than the forest in the forestry haunted in the forestry or yeah, something it's good that also um, it rhymed I mean to burst this way that's it rhymes that's what I um, so yeah, I think and book when's the book? The books. So basically, it's my, my my book plan is this, which I want to get out there quickly. Is so I don't actually really talk about the books; just talk about the play. Yeah, um, oh, that's right. I... So I don't worry about that. Um, just one of them is sh- is shorter than the other ones, more of a no- novella, which would make it about a hundred odd pages, so more accessible. It's also it's basically about the being eighteen in the underground Glasgow music scene um, in like two thousand and six. And it's a kind of whirlwind love story that takes place over three days and it never sort of pauses. So there's never a time gap. So it's just like, da 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 da, sleeps, wakes up, da 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 da, sleeps, wake up. And it just takes like three days. And it's just that kind of trying to express that idea of being that age where everything makes you fall in love. Like every, every song, every new song you hear, it's just amazing. You're just full of love and energy and, and possibility and all that. And you, you don't really have that cynicism, but then you're also kind of pretty naive and pretty stupid and a bit of a fool. So it's that, it's kind of a story about that time, and I, I, it's kind of it's it's sort of interlaced with lots of songs, um, that are like song like reference points, and then it, the the main character creates a he thinks he's going to be a great romantic, so he he, he creates a playlist for this girl who he wants to make fall in love with him, and that playlist is in the book, and then you can get that playlist like on Spotify or, or download it and um, so you could listen to it while while you were reading and the playlist the songs in the playlist ex- exactly follow the story so every song that's in the playlist is about 40 songs ish kind of follows the plot points in the story and is relevant so it's sort of like an album but it's a, sto- it's a novel and to, an album would you be able to read along to it? it so I wouldn't actually recommend actually reading along to the way it's, the music's playing because I couldn't do that myself because I wouldn't be able to concentrate but it's just that the, that's the concept of it is like you've, you could either listen to the playlist and get the story or you could read the story and get the story right that's kind of the idea but the playlist is more for fun um, it's not that important in terms of but it's for fun but the whole idea was just to try and get that idea of like how 
I don't know that for that for me anyway. That age, music was completely all encompassing, and uh, it was sort of probably get Scotland funding for that. Well, maybe. I mean, what like I was, a concept. I think it would be a good one to if I have to to self publish because I've got the access to Mickey Nine's fans. That's my only thing I've got in terms of reach. And I think people who are into the local music scene would be into that story. Yeah. So that'd be a good access. And I think people would, would be up for buying that and reading it. Um, I'm, I'm going to do an audio book of it as well. Because um, I think a lot of people prefer that. I don't have time to read books at all. It's just, I'm trying to, I'm try, really want to fix that. Because it's, how can you be a writer that doesn't read? But I, I think the audio books is a good way of, when I'm cycling or something, I can yep. Definitely. check in. Yeah. And some knowledge. Yep. I mean, I, I've... I love reading and I've read a lot in my life, but I actually have been moving more towards audiobooks these days as well. I just think it's busy life, trying to actually sit down and concentrate on a book's not actually that easy. It's a, so. a total pleasure to have the time to just read a book. But yeah, exactly. Well, well, if you've got an audiobook, at least you could be driving or you could be doing something yep. else. Tidying the house up, I, th- I think it's good for an audiobook or a podcast. Definitely, that's what I, I usually for, for tidying, basically. Yeah. And it, obviously audiobooks are, it's very important who is, is reading yeah, because well, like you get, you get. It's a really, it's a, it's a very funny skill because you can't be too interesting or too boring. That's right. Yeah. So it's kind of like I think I'd be good at reading my own story. Yeah. I don't think I could necessarily read somebody Lord of the Rings, but I think I could do my own in in the right way because I know how it's supposed to come across. There's probably money to be made in you just doing Lord of the Rings. That sells a lot of books. <laughs> you could do it cheaper, about pound cheaper than the original. It might be copyrighted. Oh God, it's always that copyright in it. <laughs> Ruins, it ruins everything. And what was the other book? Another one is it's a little bit more ambitious, you know. Um, it's like that's like a big, that's a proper novel, three hundred odd pages. Um, that one's basically about two, two towns, um, somewhere in Scotland could be, you know, South Ayrshire or something like that, but it could kind of be anywhere. And they, um, they basically are, they don't exist on any maps because they, they used to have mines. And they used to have a canal and a railway that connected them to the world. No roads um, during the industrial time. Um, but everything got closed and so did the canal, so did the rail- railway. So they're just completely cut off from the rest of the world. Uh, and for, for whatever, for just for for imagination's sake, imagine they're not on any maps and people don't know where they are. Um, and so they, but they still exist. They They don't actually know the rest of the world exists and they just exist in this constant war between each other. They absolutely hate each other. And they think that this fight that they have between each other is the most meaningful thing in the world. Um, and it's kind of the story of the two young youth gangs of young men or young boys who are kind of forced by the adults to fight each other as a kind of rite of passage. And um, so that the idea is that the only way they can become like men is to is to have this rite of passage. Um, and it's sort it's sort of you don't really know if it's post-apocalyptic. One way of looking at it would be that the rest of the world was destroyed and they still exist, or one of the ways of looking at it is the rest of the world still exists, but they just completely forgot about these towns. Um, so yeah, and it's kind of the story of what basically it's a kind of story of friendship between one boy who is like very physically, he's got a physical prowess, but he's a very angry and very violent person because of his background. Um, because of like his dad and his, his mom's an alcoholic and stuff, but he, but he he sort of loves his friend who is a couple of years younger, and he's basically spent most of his life kind of basically sleeping in this guy's bed because he doesn't have a bed. Um, and so they're really strong friends. So it's kind of the story of their friendship, and then 
I set out, don't also don't tell the plot, but you know, somebody's going to die and somebody's going to take revenge. Oh, no. So, classic revenge story. What about that? The, have you ever heard the thing that there's only five stories or is it seven stories in the world yeah. to be told? That's true. What's that called again? The I think the f- five plot theory or something. I can't remember exactly. Yeah. Well, I, cause I, cause I got taught that in media studies and it, and it is it really, first time you hear it, you're like, there must be more than that, but then there isn't. There basically isn't. And actually, I think the more you you accept that, the better. I used to, when I write stuff, I used to be more experimental. And I think I, now I'm a bit more still experimental, but I like to try and base some of the rules of like story in order to keep people engaged. Um, so this story actually is quite similar to the story of like the Iliad which is um, you know like Achilles and the fall of Troy oh, right. and the, the Trojan horse and all that stuff so there's, def- there's lots of things that are really similar um, and I, I deliberately kind of mapped it on top of that so that it just, it just, it's just a way for me to get my he- keep my head around it um, having characters that matter the, the sort of arcs of some of the characters and the Iliad and uh, some of the themes are the same um, part of the idea of the story is that it's they've this guy is walking in the hills and uh, somebody in the town finds this guy. He's got a guitar, so he basically gets kidnapped and his eyes get taken out. And he's told that he has to tell the story of the towns. So you need to write this story. And as a kind of like, like in the ancient, ancient Greece, the original Homer would have been groups of poets who would have memorized the Iliad off by heart and ad-libbed quite a lot of it. Um, so they would have went around telling this story of this great battle. And to play at parties and stuff, so you would get the poet in, and he would do a couple of verses or whatever from the from the Iliad. So that's the, he's that character of Homer is kind of in it. So he's a blind poet who is telling the story of these people, but he's making it sound like what they're doing is far more impressive than it really is, because the reality of it is it's very sordid, it's very pathetic. But because he's aggrandizing it, um, it because they're the audience, he's making their story sound heroic. Um, so that's where the Iliad comes in. It's this idea that they're 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 heroes and they're Greek heroes in their eyes. They're Achilles, they're Hector, or whatever. But that aspect of it, I really I was really careful that it doesn't actually matter. So you don't need to know any of that because uh, I really didn't want to alienate people. Like cause obviously most people haven't read the Iliad or can't give a shit about it, which is fine. So I want I, I put that in for myself or some people who might like that. But generally the story just works by itself. So don't be a bit of Achilles heel to a lot of people. <laughs> That kind of stuff. I knew there was a pun in there. I know. <laughs> um, do you want to something interesting about the Iliad? Go for it. The Trojan horse bit. You know that bit where they they they, they give the, the Greeks bring a big horse and they say to the, to the to Troy, "Oh, we've give up. Here's a present. We'll fuck off now." But actually, they're they're hiding inside the horse. Yeah. The Trojans bring it inside the, the into the town, and at night the Greeks jump out and kill everybody. Um, that's actually not in the Iliad. So there you go. When I finished the Iliad, I was like, "What the fuck?" Where the fuck's the horse? It's not in it. There was another. The poets just ad libbing. There's a book after it that they lost. There was another one that we don't have because it just got lost over the years, and that had the horse in it. But people remembered the horse, so they talk about the horse in letters and stuff that we have. But we actually don't have the original poem which has the horse in it. And also, Achilles doesn't die by getting shot in the heel by an arrow in the Iliad. Fake news. I, so I, he does news. actually get hit by an alien and die, but not an alien. Spoiler alerts here, here. Not an alien. Or is, there, is there a rule that after, you know... I think spoiler you alert. could probably Wikipedia that. People try and spoil... <laughs> <laughs> People try and give me spoilers for The Matrix because I've never seen The Matrix. But I suppose it has been about... It's been out for 20 years now, so it's my fault. You mean to say you can 
dodge bullets. Yeah, that's a quote from the Matrix. <laughs> Never seen it, man. Just too busy, too busy to watch it. It's fucking brilliant, man. But okay, I think this is wrapping up the now, man. Um, so thank you very much. So check out Dougie Smith's books. Is that going to be your name for the author of? Oh, good point. Now my right, my writer's name. Yep. is Douglas O'Day. Douglas O'Day for the books. Mickey Nines for the band. Killer Whale for the acoustic stuff. And. Mr. O'Neill for the teaching. Mr. O'Neill for the teach. <laughs> if you're a, if you're a student, and you're playing the cat house on sixteenth of November. Sixteenth of November. There's only fifty tickets left, so go get them now. Support from Sons of the Descent. Sons of the Descent. Make a hand. Shouts to Ash Astronomic, who's letting us use the studio. By the way, legend. So um, Astronomic will, will be on the show soon to tell you more about that stuff, but it's a good wee space. So Beautiful studio. Uh, it's a great studio. City centre, handy location, best producer. Get in about it. Get in about it. Thank you. Cheers.
right, right. 